By lightning, sounds pretty frightening, but you know the chances are so small. Stuff I'm beasting, nothing but a beasting, better chance you're gonna buy it at the mall. But if you want to dream for a little more, you can fall in love by the end of this song. So get up, 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 get Hit by the Okay. <laughs> this is this is Chris. How's it going, everyone? Hey, um, you may notice a uh, 
a lack of uh, missing of uh, of of Matthew or Stevo. Uh, that's because I kicked them the hell out. No, I didn't. I um I've hijacked the feed for the night, and uh, me and Chris are doing a show because um because they didn't reasons. change the passwords. That's oh uh, yeah reasons. That's even better. That's a better reason even than I had come up with. Um. No, we're. Uh, I I I think Steve and uh, Mark are probably doing a show tomorrow. Um, especially, I I believe Steve is at a movie premiere. As as a matter of fact, right now, that he'll be talking about uh, tomorrow night on the show. But uh, yeah, I just uh, I I had the night off. I said I want to do a show. I'm taking over, and it's it's my bloody feed damn it and i'll talk on it when i bloody well want to that's kind of how it <laughs> went down um actually no there was there was there was a little more conversation than that i said hey i want to do a show and they're like well we're, we're busy i'm like well i'm gonna do a show anyway and they're like okay and that's pretty much the conversation um <laughs> originally my daughter was going to join us but uh then they picked up uh, her and her friend picked up shifts tomorrow early morning so they decided not to do the show um, because they would be up too late if they were to do that. So, uh, so and they yeah. literally just found me at a McDonald's in Oregon. So yeah, I was like wandering around. I'm like, hey, who knows how to talk into a microphone? And uh, Chris was the first person to answer. No, um, for those of you who go back a ways on the network, um, you might remember a show way, way back in the very beginning called Science and Beer, uh, which was Chris and I's show. Um, it's long since defunct, and uh, as far as that particular show goes, it's not it's not a thing that we're doing anymore. However, um, if there are any fans of that show out there, they may be interested to know that Chris and I are working on plans to bring something else to the network. The two of us um, not gonna be the same thing. Obviously, we're we're going going for something different, but uh, we're working on it. Slowly, yes. <laughs> slowly, gestating. Um, so look forward to that. In the meantime, you get us jibber jabbering about uh, about nothing, basically for a couple hours, because that's that's what we do. Um, yep. That that's why I wanted to take over Social Awkward Studios. But even though I'm taking over the feed, I'm not going to uh, to 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 be derelict in my duties here. I do need to let people know where they can find us. Um, of course, the show is available at 4EyedRadio.com. We're also on Facebook, on Twitter, we're on Spreaker, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, the Zoom Marketplace, the BlackBerry Podcast Directory, the Blueberry Podcast Directory, the Miro Guide, PodDirectory.com, Double to a Swell Radio, Player.fm, and now we're on the Google Play Music and Google Podcast apps. We're on Spotify, we're on Podchaser, we are also on TuneIn Radio, which means you can use any Alexa-enabled Amazon Echo device and just say, Alexa, play the podcast Socially Awkward Studios. And we'll come up on your Alexa, Amazon, Echo, whatever the hell you got. So nice, nice. I, I I think we're out there. We're out there where people can find us. Yes. I mean, if they're if they can't find you, it's their problem. Right. Right. Uh, exactly. That's that's on you guys at that point. Um, <laughs> not hearing this because you have couldn't find us. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I do want to give a shout out to our uh, amazing sponsor, Revenge Lover. Revenge Lover designs and illustrations stand out from the crowd. For samples and inquiries, you can visit revengelover.com. If you mention you heard it on a four-eyed radio show, you will receive 10% off of your first order. So do that. And uh, 
that does it for the housekeeping. The, the show's all ours from here yeah. on out. Thank you. Thank you, Revenge Lover, for your sponsorship. Yes, and the amazing logo. I mean, that that logo. I got to give a shout out to Raven because she is one of the hardest working artists out there. Like, I, I know a lot of artists, you know, going to Comic-Con and talking to artists and having artists on the show and stuff like that. And I know they work hard. Like, some people look at that and be like, oh, you do is draw for a living. No. <laughs> they do a lot more than just draw for a living. <laughs> There's a lot of, lot of work that goes into it. And Raven is one of the ones that puts in the yeah. most work that I've seen. She is so... Um, into everything and you know like we'll ask her like hey can you do a little something for this and she'll be like yeah sure uh absolutely um here's the thing though i've got about like 18 other things that i'm like literally in the middle of but i'll totally get to you and she still does like she still does do the thing that we asked even though she's got like you know paying gigs <laughs> that are doing things yeah. and she just started a really new exciting job that she's happy about which i'm so happy for her that she got that job i, I don't know how secret things are so i'm not going to mention any names but um she is uh, really stoked to be at the job she's at now um so we are like super happy for her that things are working out because she is an amazing artist she she does great great minimalist stuff like our four eyed radio logo like the posters that we originally found her through um the mm -hmm. minimalist uh, movie posters that she had done but then she also does these amazing intricate designs like you see some nice. of her more intricate stuff that she does especially if you follow her on instagram which i highly recommend you do you'll see not only some of her designs but you'll see she actually does like like the time lapse videos of her actually mm -hmm. drawing them on her on her like tablet or whatever like she's got one of those you know things where you do it digitally i don't know i'm not an artist i don't know what any of those any of that stuff is but she'll do like the time lapse of her actually drawing it and it's absolutely fascinating to watch so follow revenge lover on instagram you won't be sorry you'll see some amazing art and you might even see some behind the scenes stuff if you're an artist that might help so you never know and if you're not an awesome. artist you'll just see some cool behind the scenes stuff you know Awesome. You can't lose either way, right? I'm going to be that podcast host that just says, hey, I just followed Revenge Lover on Instagram during the podcast. So I just did. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm sure she'll be like, hey, great. Um, Yay. Yeah, no, uh, Raven is literally one of the few artists. There, there are only a few artists that you – know, there's a ton of artists that I love. Like I'll, I'll look at a ton of different comic artists and be like, hey, I love your stuff. It's great. It's fantastic. I'll, I'll buy your books. I'll buy your prints. I'll do this, that, the other thing. Um, there's only a very, very few that I look at their stuff and they're like, okay, I want to help support you like on a legit basis. And Raven is one of those ones. We do that through obviously the sponsorship on the podcast and we always do whatever we can for her when she, when she has like, um, she did a Kickstarter a couple of years ago now, I think actually, I'm not sure if it was a full couple of years, but a little while back she was raising some money specifically for the wildfires that were happening out in California where she is. And uh, so, you know, I kicked in for that and I actually got the original pencil drawing of the fire flower design that she did that she ended up making into enamel pins and prints and all sorts of fun stuff. And I have the original pencil drawing of that um, nice. through the Kickstarter. So I was like, yes. So that's one of the things that I have that I need to hang up on my meager studio wall space. And then, of course, there's uh, Val Brazier, who, um, fantastic artist also. I'm, uh, I, I help her out through her uh, Patreon 
which I recommend if you find an artist you like and they have a Patreon, it's usually totally worth it. Um, I, th I, I throw her a few bucks a month and I get a hand-drawn postcard every single month from her with new art, like legit, not just like she doesn't just make one and then like print off a bunch of them for everybody. She draws a different card for every single Patreon subscriber. So I've got this whole wall of Val cards that I have from her nice. Patreon. So, um, yeah, another artist I highly recommend. But there are, there are very few artists that I would trust to put art on me. And I have this tattoo that I got when I was 22 and dumb and drunk. And honestly, the the shop probably shouldn't have done it. Like, it's one of those things, like, I stumbled in there and they probably should not. They probably should have been like, come back when you're sober and we'll talk about yeah. it. And I, like, flip through the book until I'm like, hey, I like this design here. It's kind of cool looking. It's just this random, like, tribal design that I kind of liked when I was drunk in 22. And now it's permanently etched into my shoulder. So I have this stupid thing on my shoulder, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to pay to, like, laser it off. Because, A, mm -hmm. it's, it's high enough up on my shoulder that a regular short sleeve shirt completely covers it. So it's not something that I have to worry about, like... Oh, I have to hide this thing. Normal, normal clothes cover it. But at the same time, like every time I look at it, I'm like, man, you know, I'd much rather if I'm going to have ink on me, I'd, I, I'm not against tattoos. I love the, I, you know, I think it's a cool thing, but I want something that means something to me. So right now I am in the process of commissioning Raven to design me a cover up for my stupid ass 22 year old decision to to actually represent things in my life you like stuff that represents my wife and my daughter and my life as sure. instead of just this random like tribal design that i picked out of a book because it was within my budget at the moment yeah <laughs> like I said, there's very few artists that i would trust to uh to draw stuff on me that's going to last pretty much forever and uh raven is one of those very few artists so nice long story short raven's awesome Follower nice. and supporter. Very much like the minimalist style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much like the minimalist style. Very much like quotes. The idea of having quotes as a tattoo. Mm -hmm. um, I don't. I don't have any personally, but you know, my wife and I have been kicking around the idea of you know going together at some point in the near future and getting something that's you know personally relevant to either one of us. Mm -hmm. So I have. You know, if you've ever seen uh, at this point, who hasn't heard of, you know, Watchmen. So I've got a couple of Dr. Manhattan quotes that I've kicked around that, you know, I would do in a minimalist style or nice. um, Have I you... very much in the, in the past few years, you know, I've, I've worked my way through a number of books on varying topics. I'm currently stumbling through, um, you know, Stoic philosophy. So there's some Stoic quotes or some memento moris that I would, you know, I've seen that I would, I would like, um, right you know, my gaming background. So some gaming theme stuff for games that are personally relevant to me, something halo related. I was just thinking yesterday about, uh, the halo old Spartans never die. They just go missing in action, which is kind of cliche, but you know, I spent a lot of time in halo over the years <laughs> and that would be pretty relevant. Right on. So no, yeah, that would, that would be awesome. As long as it's, that's the thing is like, I, 
at one point in my life, I looked at tattoos and I said, it's like, oh, I can't believe that you would, you know, get yeah. that permanently, you know, yeah. burned onto your flesh and you, you can never get rid of that. Yeah, yeah. And then I was 22 and drunk and said, I want this random thing burned into my flesh forever. And now I'm looking at it like, well, yeah. what the hell is the thing? But at the same time, like I see people who have tattoos that mean something to them and that actually have some sort of uh, depth to it as far as what they mean, what they represent, things like that. I see a lot of yeah, the, yeah. Um, the, the semicolon tattoos and things like that where where sure. they have – a definite meaning and i've seen some really clever stuff done on that front and of course i i mean i'll admit i i, I love them with tattoos so i'm not gonna deny that either um, yeah so i i've been kicking around the idea of figuring out you know what do i want to do with this thing on my shoulder and you know eventually it came down to it, like well there's you know really only one artist i trust to to do something that I could have on my flesh forever, and and that is Raven. Like I love Val's stuff. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the type of stuff that I would get tattooed on me. <laughs> it's great stuff. I, I have her prints hanging all around my house and all around my work, but it's not it's not my style for something that I would get tattooed on me. Sure, um, sure. It's definitely something like I bet my daughter would probably be willing to get something that Val drew tattooed on her. Like it, it, it's yeah. her, it's her kind of aesthetic type of thing going on. But yeah, that would be cool. Like I, I have trouble with the, um, I, I don't have any problem with anybody else having quotes and such, but yeah, anytime yeah. I've thought about having a quote, I've thought, okay, well, how long have I used that quote? How long have I gone back to that mm -hmm. quote? And how many quotes have I, used and discarded over time that at at one point like at, at one point maybe i would have wanted this tattooed on me and then like now i can't even remember it or now i look at it and i say oh that doesn't mean what i thought it meant or <laughs> i find something out about the person from whom it was quoted that i'm like oh ah gosh you know uh <laughs> you know imagine imagine like right now you know somebody you know there, there are people going around with like bill cosby quotes on them right now tattooed and they're like oh geez this isn't good right, right. <laughs> you know so i always worry about that sort of thing but i i'm also willing to separate the artist from the art and that i think goes for quotes too sometimes dumbass people can say a smart thing or two and sometimes complete assholes can say a couple of things that are really really relevant and make a lot of sense and that doesn't make what they said any less relevant just because right, right. in general they may be an asshole um so if the quote itself without any context as far as from whom it came still means something then i'm all for it Sure. One of the uh, a nice simple one. I think it would be one of the the starters. Um, I don't know where this quote originated, but for me, I found it in a in a 1990s uh, science fiction novel series, and it's "Sleep is for the Weak." And uh, for someone like me who works in IT and I'm you know up all night anyway, you know, "Sleep is for the Weak" would be something cool and you know theme something minimalist around that. 
whether it would be, you know, a pot of coffee or, you know, something like that. I don't know, but, um, <laughs> that would be cool. Uh, Dr. Manhattan's, you know, I'm tired of these, I'm tired of being caught up in the tangle of their lives, yes. you know, quote, that's, that's <laughs> one of my favorites. I would probably just do the words with a, with a simple, uh, hydrogen symbol. I do have something that like image that. Uh, permanently saved on my phone for use whenever yeah. I hear dumb news yeah. about the world and especially in sure. a group chat or something like that. And <laughs> I'm tired of these people and they're the tangle of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, ex it's extremely relevant for a lot of stuff that's going on today, but it's just those, those words are, I think they age very well and they've obviously aged very well over the last 30 years since Watchmen came out. Um, Jeez, what else? Spe speaking of Watchmen, have you heard or seen anything about the Watchmen series that uh, HBO is going to be releasing? Okay, so when I saw that it wasn't going to be an in-depth analysis of this analysis of the source material, but it was going to be a remix or an homage, I immediately tuned out. I was like, "That's that's bullshit." I, I'm, I'm, I, I might sound like I have a strong opinion about it, and I kind of fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's okay. Um, you know, it's yeah. I'm, I'm that being said, I'm willing to give it a chance. And if they offer to like, if they do a free preview weekend or something, I may check out an episode, like I did for Thrones. But um, yeah, I I don't see that having much in the way of legs unless they do something really original and just really timely. Right. So. I'm curious to see how it plays out because, uh, you know, I did yeah. love the original comics and I did like the movie as well. A lot of people were, were unhappy mm -hmm. with the film uh, compared to the comics. I, I thought both of them were good <clears> in their own right. Um, I tried not to compare them directly to each other. Right. I try In general with comic book movies, um, well, in general with yeah. any movie that's based on a, a comic book or book. I try not to mm -hmm. judge it too closely to the original source material if I can, yeah. because they're never going to get it exactly the same. And if they did, then it would be boring. Um, there's so many times, you know, when when, we, when I used to do uh, a Bond podcast, we talked about the very few times in which the Bond movies really followed the books, mm -hmm. and they were the worst movies. They, you know, um, if you look at, well, in my opinion, anyway, there's a lot of people who disagree with me on this, but Her Majesty's Secret Service are on Her Majesty's <laughs> Secret Service. That is, if you compare the movie to the book, it is absolutely the most true to the source material of any of the Bond films. And for my money, it is the second worst Bond film ever made. That's actually. That's the, uh, that's the Lazenby film, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not yeah. just because of Lazmi. It's just because they tried to stay too close to the source material, and the source material didn't age that well. Fleming yeah. was not really – like he created a great character, and he created this great world. But mm -hmm. at the same time, he wasn't the strongest author. You know, I, I'm not trying to claim that. I can be a Bond fan and, and re recognize that Fleming was not the strongest author in the world. Um right. He was a bit of a misogynist. He was a bit of a racist. Um, you know, definitely a product of his time, yes. But at the same time, you can look at him and be like, whoa, dude, calm down. And they tried to tone yeah. some of that back in the movies, especially as the years went on. Um, but there were a few times, like uh, Goldfinger is a great example. There's actually a scene in Goldfinger where Bond lays out 
the actual original plot of the actual book and laughs it off because of how ridiculous it is. And then they explain <laughs> what the movie villain is doing because it makes a little bit more sense because the because in the book, it's like that. No, you can't. No, you can't do that. That, that would, that, that doesn't make any sense. And so they actually take that and they laugh it off as like, a, are you kidding me? We couldn't do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you said that. Cause that's a nice tie in back to Watchmen because mm-hmm. Think about the way that um, Zack Snyder, who you know has had more misses than he's had hits over the years, <laughs> he he made and that production team made some great choices in how they handled the end sequence of of Watchmen. And um, for example, in the in the comic books, if you're not familiar, there's a gigantic alien that materializes in the middle of New York City, and then in its quote unquote death throes sends out a psychic pulse, which kills a lot of people in the city. Whereas in the film, Dr. Manhattan, who's they've been building it up towards the end of the film. If you've most, most people who listen to the show have probably seen it, but you know, Dr. Manhattan kind of blows his stack at the end of the film and, or quote unquote, the, he's, he's set up to appear to blow his stack. And that made a lot more narrative sense than what the source material had. Mm-hmm. So I, in much the sense with what you just laid out with Goldfinger. Um, yeah, <laughs> the the film version of Watchmen was a hit for me. I thought, my God, this actually made more sense than the source material. And it was a great way to update it and bring it in line with a moviegoer's expectations at that point in time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed both. You know, like I said, there's always going to be those who are like hardcore, like, oh, it doesn't go exactly the way the comic went. And, well, yeah. A, it's very hard to translate one medium to another, whether it's comics to movies or books to movies or even books to comics. I've seen really poor comic adaptations of books. I've seen really poor comic adaptations of movies that, you know, where it was a movie first and then somebody tried to make a comic adaptation of it or a novelization. Even I've seen some poor novelizations from movies where it's like literally like you didn't have to print like more than five words more than the screenplay and you could have had a novelization. Like, why is this hard? But sometimes it escapes them. There are other times when they absolutely knock it out of the park. Um, A great example. I forget the author. It was a man. I can't believe I can't, I can't remember the author off the top of my head because it's one of the more famous sci-fi authors that I know fairly well did the novelization of total recall. Which itself uh, was Piers Anthony. Oh yes, that's right, that's right. Piers Anthony did the novelization of Total Recall, which itself was based off the short story "Do Androids Dream?" Or I'm sorry, we can remember it for you wholesale by Philip K. Dick. So it was a it was a movie based on a short story, and this was the novel based on the movie, and it was still fantastic. It was absolutely amazing. Like I yes. loved all three. I love the short story. I love the movie for all the camp it is. <laughs> I mean, you can't go into yeah. Total Recall expecting other th- anything other than okay, it's Schwarzenegger sci-fi. That's all you there, need to know. Of, going a lot of people it. are going to die. The the story is going to be you know threadbare, <laughs> but it's going to be fun. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Total Recall still remains to this day one of my favorite Schwarzenegger films. I, yes. I, I, you know, it's just no, it's not 
good by objective standards if you're you know uh looking at a, a film for you know whatever type of criteria you want to look at yeah. it. but if you just want to if you just want to blank out two hours of your life and enjoy yourself it works uh, if, it does the job if rotten tomatoes had existed in 1985 i don't think we would have gotten predator we wouldn't have gotten oh, you know, running man we wouldn't have gotten oh, running man oh, oh i forgot about that one. Oh. <laughs> Another great Schwarzenegger flick that is underrated, in my opinion. Um, oh man, good, good, it's, just it's fun. a great, very biting commentary on on society at the time, and, uh, and it doesn't you, hurt that there's a lot of death in it, and there's some absolutely killer one-liners. <laughs> Don't ask me to quote any right this moment, but uh, with any Schwarzenegger <laughs> film, there's always killer one-liners. Oh, of course, but, everybody uh, chill. <laughs> okay not every not every schwarzenegger film has great one-liners <laughs> no 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 but but yeah oh man and that was that itself was based on a book as well which the book itself was pretty good well i would yeah, say it was the based book, on one of stephen king's bachman novels yeah yeah i, I would say the book itself or the, i guess it was technically a short story was probably better objectively than the movie but for entertainment value, that's something that I, I think when you look at critics and you look at like these type of reviews, I think that gets lost in translation quite a lot. The difference between something that is critically, quote unquote, good and something that is entertaining. It is possible yeah. for something to be critically bad and yeah. yet still be entertaining. It's also possible for things to be – that doesn't mean that everything that is critically bad is entertaining. There are things that are just plain bad, but there are so, those occasional Let's talk things. about really good bad movies here for a second, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang out to dry. All right. I haven't seen it, and I was looking at reviews on it yesterday. The new uh, David Harbour Hellboy. Have you seen it? I'm sorry, which one? The new Hellboy with David Harbour. Oh, no, I haven't, I haven't seen that one yet. Okay. Um, so – I was I was looking at the you know because obviously it's not a critical darling, but I was kind of trying to get my, you know get the the lowdown on it right. from you know regular Joes like you and me. Is it a good movie? You know, is it is it you know? But anyway, is it entertaining? So. Um, I think the person to ask on that would probably be Steve O. Um, uh, I, I'm I'm sure that he has checked it out or is going to check it out if he hasn't already. Um, nice. And he would be the one because I know that he was into the original. Hellboys, uh, mm -hmm. they made two or three previously two, with yeah. Ron Perlman. Um, yeah. I, I saw the first one. I never saw the second one, to be honest. The first one I did enjoy, but it was one of those things where it kind of was playing in a room that I was also in. And not yeah. really. I wasn't watching it so yeah. much as it was there and I was also there. But I didn't like, oh, God, this is horrible. Turn it off. It was more... Just yeah, it was there, and I, you know, uh, my attention wandered over to it occasionally, and I enjoyed the moments that that I did see. Um, and then I, I never bothered watching the second one because I, I never read the Hellboy comics, so I I wasn't familiar with the source material. I didn't really have any type of attachment to that. It wasn't like with You're the right. with the Marvel, uh, you know, with the MCU or with even the with the uh, DC movies and TV shows. There they're always they've always seemed to kind of start with something that at least I have a little bit of background information on. So it gets my attention that way. Sure. Um, obviously the MCU starting with Iron Man, you know, Iron Man was one of my favorite comics when I was younger. So 
starting with Iron Man was a great choice. Uh, you know, if they if they were specifically targeting the MCU at me, they did a great job. <laughs> they, yeah. they made a great choice. And I think, you know, counting the money they've made over the years with those movies, I don't think it was just me. Um, but... I mean, if you would have told 1991 Marvel Zombie me that we were going to not only get an Infinity Gauntlet film, uh... but it was going to be an arc and that it was going to be freaking awesome then i would i would have laughed at you because you know the best that we had to offer or the best that we had to get in 1991 was um that really crappy edition of the fantastic four that they made just to hold on to the license <laughs> so they could make the barely better one have you have you seen the 2000s. actual 94 one what's that have you seen the actual 94 one the one that was never officially released I have seen bits and pieces of it. I have it not watched the whole thing. It is objectively the most true to the source material of any of the Fantastic. I've watched the entire thing. And had it had more of a budget, you can literally tell when they run yeah. out of money. Because yeah. the, the visual effects are cheesy up until yeah. a point where they become, like, high schoolish. Like, at yeah, one yeah. point, they just, like... It's as if they stopped trying, and it's like, okay, you can tell the point where they ran out of money for the visual effects, but the story <laughs> is actually more true to the original comics, to the to the backstory of those characters. Their Doctor yeah. Doom was so much better than any Doctor Doom, like like even with the cheesy actors, and like I, you know, my my heart goes out to the actors who put in the work for this only to find out later that it was never intended to be released. They made the movie yeah. just to keep the rights. They never yep. intended it for, for anybody to ever actually lay eyes on. And I feel bad for them for that. But at the same time, we, we do live in the age of the internet now and it's out there. You can watch it. I think it's on YouTube for crying out loud, but you can, you can watch it. And honestly, if you, strip away the visual effects and the the low level of acting which you know was because they literally selected the cheapest people they could find to play these parts right. it's got a good it's got a good fantastic four storyline it's a good origin story for them it's actually fairly well done in comparison to some of the other ones especially this newest one when they when they came back and they tried to do the new the new new fantastic I don't right know, i'm like right I'm like, just give up the rights already. Seriously, let somebody yeah. else give it a shot. <laughs> like, I really man. had a lot of hope for that when I saw what they were doing with it, and but when it when it hit, and obviously it just cratered. Yeah. I just yeah, so yeah, so I, I, was, I, I was like, sad. okay, I, I was really looking forward to a quality Fantastic Four film. So yeah, I think honestly, I mean. I think they were trying to latch on, like they're looking at, like, well, Avengers did well, so why can't a Fantastic Four movie? Well, Avengers had how many movies to build up the character base before they did mm -hmm. an ensemble? You know, you look at that, and you say, okay, so you had Iron Man, you had Incredible Hulk, which was a great movie despite the fact that Edward Norton evidently is a gigantic uh, asshole to work with. Which is why he I didn't. still have not seen that movie because of Edward Norton. You know what? I I love Edward Norton as an actor. I just wish he wasn't such a gigantic dickhole in real life that he makes everybody yeah. ne never want to work with him again. But the movie is good. Edward Norton does play a good Bruce Banner, and the yeah. Hulk in that movie, they didn't bother. I think they knew. I think by the time they got to the effects, 
they knew that Norton probably wasn't going to be around for the rest of it mm-hmm. because the Hulk in that movie looks nothing like Norton at all. Whereas yeah. the Hulk in all of the rest of the movies looks like Ruffalo. Like he has Ruffalo's yeah. face, even though he's the Hulk in that movie, the Hulk looks nothing like Norton at all. Um, but it's also a great Stanley cameo. It's worth it. It's worth it for the Stanley cameo, I would say. And like I said, the actual, the actual story is pretty good. Plus, it has um, oh, what is the name of that British actor who ends up playing the 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 big bad in that one? Oh gosh, he was in that he was in that show called Lie to Me that only lasted a season. It was a really fun show, but oh, I knew yeah, it wasn't yeah, going to yeah. last more than a season. And yeah, and he's also in a bunch of Tarantino movies too. Is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I, I know, I, I know cannot, what you're talking about. I cannot think of the actor's name uh, I'm to sure, save I'm my sure life. Somebody right now, will, but, will tweet at us or will, uh, you know, or let us know. Right, right. Yeah, because I'm like, oh, what is his name? But yeah, he he plays a great villain. He plays great opposite. And and like I said, Edward Norton is a good actor. He's is just evidently he's just such an asshole in real life that nobody ever wants to work with him more than once. So having him as part of something that was going to be ongoing wasn't going to work out. But the movie itself was good. I do recommend at least watching it once. Um, yeah. You know, it's not it's not something that I'd be like, oh, you have to watch this. But, you know, hey, if you're an MCU fan and you want the whole backstory, there are times in the rest of the MCU that they do reference back to that um, beginning, especially actually in Infinity War and Endgame when they mention how, because they don't really mention in any of the movies after that, they don't really mention how Bruce Banner became the Hulk. Like it's very kind of, they don't really go into detail on it, but then all of a sudden in Endgame and infinity war, they're talking about, Oh, well, Bruce Banner's the gamma radiation expert over here. Well, it's because half of the movie of incredible Hulk is Bruce Banner experimenting with gamma radiation and trying to, cure the gamma poisoning that he got that turned him into this <laughs> Hulk creature <laughs> to a walking murder machine. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, I, I, I think the best line, uh, one of the best lines in the MCU is when, um, Bruce Banner is, is talking about how he didn't want to be the Hulk anymore and how, how he tried to, to end it. He said, and he, and he said something to the effect of, I put a bullet in my mouth and the other guy spit the it out. The other guy spit it out. I was like, <laughs> Oh my God. Like, yeah, that was yeah. just like, it kind of got skimmed over in the rest of the, like, I was like, dude, guys, dude, did anybody else notice that Bruce Banner just admitted he tried to, he attempted suicide? Like, yeah. Are you guys hearing this right now? <laughs> like nobody yeah. else like seemed to pay attention to that, but I'm like, holy crap, dude. <laughs> like that's yeah, a pretty that was, serious that a admission one. right there. And I feel like kind of got glossed over, but yeah, if you go into the, if you go into that particular film, you do get a little bit more of the backstory that makes that make sense. Because if you just see Ruffalo's Hulk, you don't really get the sense that, that, that he was ever in that place. But in the incredible Hulk with Edward Norton, you do kind of, you get that sense to where he, he gets to the point where he cannot, he, you know, he's doing everything he can to prevent the Hulk from happening. And he's trying mm-hmm. to, he's trying to cure himself. He's trying to, he's doing everything he can to, to, to prevent it instead of using it as a tool like he does his, through the rest of the MCU. So, yeah, I, I, I say it's worth a watch, especially if you can get it uh, for cheap. I went ahead and got, I, I wanted to be able to, go back and watch any of the MCU movies anytime I wanted. 
so what I did was I don't I don't actually have any uh, physical media players in my home. I literally don't own a DVD or Blu-ray player, like at yeah. all. Like literally, I think I, I I believe my laptop does have a DVD ROM on it. Like so, in theory, I could probably watch a DVD on my laptop. But what's a DVD, Daddy? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so every everything is digital. Like I we we stream everything. We don't have cable. We just have internet. So yeah. we we have Hulu. We have Netflix. We have uh, HBO. We have Stars. Uh, we had Cinemax. We canceled Cinemax because none of their original stuff was enough to keep us paying for it. Uh, but we do have uh, CBS All Access because Star Trek. Um, and then oh, absolutely. Oh, we'll have to talk about that a little bit. Um. But yeah, so we have these various streaming services, and of course I've got my my movies anywhere, which includes my Vudu and my Prime and my uh, anything I buy from Amazon or anything I buy from Google goes into my Movies Anywhere app. But I also found that there's a lot of websites online that sell the digital codes that come with DVDs and Blu-rays, which, technically speaking, you know, uh, you know. Lawyer speak here, uh, asterisk, um, don't do this. So what I do is I go on these websites <laughs> and I'll search for the movies that I want and I can usually find them anywhere from three to six bucks for the digital code, which allows you to quote unquote own the digital copy right. of the movie, which is a lot cheaper than the, you know, if you go through the actual websites through Amazon or Google or Vudu or Movies Anywhere, it's usually like 15 to yeah. $20, especially for the newer ones. So I, over the course of a few weeks, um, actually over the course of a couple of months, I should say, I built up the full MCU collection. So I have everything up to uh, Captain Marvel on my Movies Anywhere now. Nice. Because I've been they, slowly working my way up through ownership of the MCU stuff. Um, but yeah, I Incredible Hulk is one of those I need to add still. But um, I'm, I'm slowly filling in the gaps. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth a watch, especially if you're a fan of the of the universe itself and you want the the full story. And like I said, the movie itself is not bad. Yeah. It's just man, I you know. Why can't why why are some of the best actors such gigantic douches, yeah. and why are some of the the worst actors also gigantic douches but seem to somehow still get work? I'm looking at you, Jared Leto. What the fuck? <laughs> How can you be such a horrible I, I actor not... and still com- get work and be a dick? I don't get it. I still haven't seen Suicide Squad. I saw. Oh. I'm not one of those guys who who sees, you know, those teaser images of some beloved character, Mm -hmm. you know, reinterpreted in a whole new way and then just absolutely launch into a tirade against it. I'm not that kind of guy, even though I just did it against HBO's Watchmen. But (laughs) like, even though I just did that, that's not me. That's not me. I'm not not a hypocrite. I, I honestly gave Jared Leto time to see what his suicide squad interpretation of the Joker was going to be like. And my first impression was it's going to be shit, but I'm going to give it a chance. And then it came out and the reviews hit and we all have our nerd friends who have the, have the cred and they, you know, come out and they started dunking on it. And I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, sorry. I just can't do it. <laughs> now I had, I had the same misgivings about uh, Joaquin Phoenix and his interpretation of the Joker at first. And then I saw, you know, 
it in context with the atmosphere and their the picture that they're painting with this 1970s era New York mm-hmm. Joker who just absolutely goes off his nut. And I'm like, I can't wait to see what's going to happen here <laughs> because yeah. I think it's going to be phenomenal. I, I agree. It looks interesting. I my first impression when they you know when I heard oh Joaquin Phoenix is gonna be the Joker, I'm like seriously they're doing the, like Batman has so many villains. Like you mm-hmm. all like these movie movie companies seem to think that the Joker is the only villain Batman has ever had, and it's like dude guys come on, he's got an entire yeah. you know rogues gallery that you can choose from. You don't have to do the Joker fifty billion times. Um, yeah. For my money. Jack Nicholson still top uh, of my Joker list when it comes to live action and Mark Hamill's portrayal of the Joker as a voice in the animated series still Absolutely. one of the best. Absolutely. Um, I will agree with you. I did see Suicide Squad in theaters, not mm-hmm. by choice myself. Like it was one of those ones that I probably would have watched eventually just to see, but mm-hmm. I saw it in theaters because my daughter really wanted to see it because she's one of these girls who was like super into Harley Quinn which I sure, sure. I don't I still don't get that. I look at that and I look at the relationship between Joker and Harley Quinn and I I I I'm like you guys are this is something you want? Like this is not good. This is not a good relationship so, that they're in. You guys realize yeah. this, right? But I was like um, okay, I'll take it. It's the risk of sounding movie. repetitive. It's like Harley Quinn fits the DC animated universe really well. Harley Quinn fits the comic books really well. I don't think Harley needed to be seen on screen. And you're right. That is an excruciatingly dysfunctional relationship that should not be emulated in any shape, way, or form. (laughs) Yeah. Especially since in suicide squad, I don't know how familiar with you are with the comic versions, but they kind of went the, um, with her origin story in the movie, they kind of did a blend of the original Harley Quinn story and the new 52 Harley Quinn story. They, they kind of, merged those two mm-hmm. origin stories to to make her what she was and i thought it made it even worse than uh, than they were like either one of them by themselves i was like oh this is just this is not good this is not something to look up to but at the bad. same time i'm like okay it's just a it's just a fun character like, like i said i'm like i'm willing to give it a chance i watched the movie um, my daughter enjoyed it as far as enjoying the movie went but she doesn't know any of the like her entire exposure to the backstory mm-hmm. of all these characters is basically fan art. Like yeah. she, like I asked her, I'm like, do you understand, you know, how Harley Quinn and Joker got together? And she's like, no, I just know that they're together and they love each other. I'm like, nah, okay. <laughs> like, I'm not going to ruin your life right now. I could, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> so I was, a uh, you know, early nineties, late nineties, early two thousands comic book guy. And there's one long form Batman story that I would love to see told, whether it be on the small screen, whether it be on the, you know, the big screen, uh, Jeff Loeb and Tim sales, the long Halloween. Oh, yes. I, I don't know if you're familiar with that. I've read that because it, it tends to get, you know, beaten out by things like hush, you know, and stuff like yeah. that. But I would love to see the long Halloween play out over the course of, of a year on HBO or, yeah. you know, something like that. Exactly. I was about to say that would be a perfect, you know, one, one series run 
for one of the streaming channels. So it could yeah. be Amazon could pull it off, HBO could pull it off, Showtime could pull it off. Any of these, I mean, hell, I'd even, I'd even give CBS the credit to pull off something like that if they did it as a streaming yeah. original, um, yeah. because they've got the money and the the talent available. They know where to find. I th- I think it's uh, <laughs> getting into a totally another topic here, but sort of on the same topic. I think with with all the new streaming originals that we're seeing. We're also seeing such a huge uptick in talent when it comes to mm-hmm. both acting and directing and then also with the writing and the direction. We're seeing so much more talent because the talent pool is being opened up so much wider. You know, some people are looking at it and they're like, oh, it's diversity for diversity's sake. No, it's not. It's what happens yeah. when you actually look at the entire pool of talent that you have available to you and you pick the best people instead of limiting yourself to a smaller group that you think is the best because you've been told that when you open yourself up to the entirety of talent that's out there it's amazing what you end up with and i think star trek discovery really showed that uh in spades when they you know when they came out it's like yeah if you look at it on the surface like okay they check this box and they check this box and they check this box yeah it's great and everything but then you watch it and you're like all of these people can act all of these people who are directing can direct the cinematographers are fantastic the writers are amazing like everything about this is fantastic and yet it is also diverse huh it's almost as if that talent has been out there just not being used. Hmm. <laughs> so I understand why, you know, the the big studios want to bank on that two-hour action film that's going to bring them in the millions of dollars that they need to produce other stuff and, you know, have and live their lives and, and things like that. But the long-form, deep intricate storytelling that folks like us have you know grown up on and lived with in the the comic book industry for years yeah or you know the game of thrones george rr R. martin narrative stuff we're starting to see eye of the world from robert jordan get developed at amazon you know start to see things like stephen king's gunslinger you know um make its way through the pipeline uh frank herbert's dune you know, that's what we need. We don't need more two hour romps, <laughs> which are just dipping our toe into a universe. Yeah. And, and even, even Marvel's taken it the right way with the Marvel cinematic universe. Yeah. So it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's a beautiful time to be a nerd it and re- it's a beautiful time, <laughs> you know, to see stuff that we've loved for years, you know, nostalgically played out, but still told in a fresh way to to make it right that's that's the best part i think is the fact that we're seeing stuff that we know and love but at the same time we are getting new stories but it's also being told in such a way that we are getting a complete story and and that's i think what you're Mm -hmm. speaking to is the fact that we're getting a complete story um one of the things they're talking about with this new the newest star trek series that's going to come out here star trek picard where they're actually revisiting the the John Luke Picard character from Star Trek: The Next Generation. He is he has said it. The directors have said basically everybody said it that essentially I'm not expecting more than one season of this. 
everybody has basically made it very much sound like we're getting 10 episodes about an hour long and that's it and that's all we're getting and i'm okay with that because patrick stewart himself said it's like a 10-hour movie nice i'm good with that (laughs) you give me a 10-hour picard movie I am totally on board, especially now that I see that he's got a big old doggo that I just want to love the hell out of. Like, I mean, everything about the trailer for that, like when I heard they were making a Picard show, I was like, okay, well, all right. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Then I heard Patrick Stewart's involved. I'm like, okay, I am definitely on board. Then I heard Patrick Stewart is excited to play John Luke Picard again. In the, I'm like, oh. Well, now I'm really excited myself because he had said, he said several times that he was done with that character, that the only way that he would ever come back and play John Luke Picard again is if they did something new and exciting with that character that he would be interested in. And the fact that he is not only doing it, but also says he's excited to do it and is an executive producer on the show, it tells me that he liked the story. So if he's on board, I'm on board, and I, I'm looking forward to that quite a bit. But yeah, it, it it's the same type of thing that you're talking about with that long-form storytelling where the networks are finally starting to understand that people watch for more than an hour or two at a time. Sometimes yes. they sit and watch for 10 hours at a time. Sometimes they watch 10 hours worth of shows over the course of a week or whatever, but they're still they're okay with the story going that long as long as it's – as long as it's coherent. So we're getting more of that type of storytelling as opposed to just the normal everyday with, with broadcast TV, you had to have that episodic storytelling. You had to have everything encapsulated. Yeah. You could have little, you know, tie ins here or there for the real fans who watched every episode. They'd be like, Oh, they mentioned that other episode. Yay. Okay, great. But because of syndication, you had to yeah. have every single episode have its own story, have its own – everything had to be complete within that episode because you, had, you never knew if You it had your A line, you had your B line, and then you button it all up at the end and you know you could pick it up and put it down in any order. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And that works for some things. Like you know, Next Generation is still one of my favorite Star Treks of all time because that's what I grew up with. And that's one of those. Like – you can watch it all in order and you'll catch those little bits where they actually do like mention things from previous episodes. But for the most part, you could just literally pick up any episode out of any season and just watch it. Unless it's, you know, with the rare exception of the two parters where, you know, yeah, you want to watch both parts of the two parters, but (laughs) other than that, but then you get into deep space nine where they started to kind of branch out into that more, type of uh, storytelling experience where it's serialized storytelling yeah Yeah. where yeah serialized storytelling where it kind of spread out you still had the episodic episodes because you were still on broadcast tv you still had to have something for the people who were just tuning in that one week but it started to kind of flow together and it started to kind of build into something bigger and it would have been great if they had allowed voyager i think to continue with that but Voyager was expressly told, the writers on Voyager were expressly told to go back to the episodic nature of like TNG and the original series. They were told to stay away from doing arcs like Deep Space Nine because they were, I, I don't know why, honestly. It made Voyager such 
an inferior show <laughs> to to its predecessors, which is sad because it had a great cast, it had a good idea, the premise was fantastic, but in practice, it ended up kind of just being a retread of a lot of yeah. things because you had these just okay, we've got to wrap everything up, and then we're never going to mention this again. In the you know, it's like, well, that was a pretty big thing to never mention again, right? Well, the '90s were a good time to be a Star Trek fan, especially in the late oh. '90s. Oh yeah, you had you know season seven of Star Trek winding up or Next Generation winding up. Mm -hmm. You had Deep Space Nine kind of hitting its stride, and like you said, you had Voyager. By the time we got to Voyager, it was franchise fatigue, and then <laughs> things yeah. slowly started dying off, and they started wrapping things up on DS9. You know, Voyager. I think it. I think they limped home finally. I don't even remember, you know, how that ended. But they, they they did make it home. Spoiler alert: Yes, they did make it back to the Alpha Quadrant. Um, uh, if you didn't watch the series, you'll know that by watching. Uh, uh, was it Insurrection or was it? Well, I can't remember if it was Insurrection yeah. or if it was the the one I don't like to talk about because it makes me sad. Um, yeah. That last Star Trek Next Generation movie they had. I think Insurrection uh, was the, the last Next Generation film. Because that, that was the one with where they kind of left it hanging with Data and, before, yeah, and so yeah. on. Wait, no, that wasn't that, – no, that was – um no, that wasn't Insurrection. That was – oh, God. I can't I, – how can I not remember the name of this? I literally Jeez, we couldn't re we couldn't remember podcast. Tim Roth's name earlier, and thank you for that gentleman in Minnesota. I heard you yelling all the way from there that his name was Tim Roth, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like we, we're we're totally driving people nuts tonight because you know we can't be bothered to go Google you know what we need to Google and what we need to know. <laughs> That's why we have an audience. I don't want to be to that podcast that wrong, just right? Google stuff and then it's like, oh yeah, I totally knew that uh, up until that point. No. Um, yeah. Oh God! It's not revenge. We're what is dedicated it to bringing you a genuine product here. So <laughs> I want I want to remember this. I want to remember this. Um, it's the Star Trek. Oh, God, bloody hell! Oh man. Okay, I'm I am gonna Google it because this is gonna drive me nuts. Because Insurrection was actually one of the decent ones. I'm I'm thinking of the 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 last one they made, which was not which was not good at all. It was bad. Um. <laughs> God, what was it? Nemesis. Nemesis. Thank you very Nemesis much. Nemesis was, was, was the final Next Generation film. There it is. So yes, which Nemesis gave, which was gave the us one an early, uh, before. early. What's his name? Yeah, I'm doing it again. People <laughs> listening at home are like, "God, these guys are idiots. They don't know anything." No, we don't. We're freaking human beings. I'm not Google. We just, we, we just randomly hijacked a podcast feed and just started talking. I mean, we don't know anything yeah. about what we're talking about. What are we doing here? Literally, Eric found me at a McDonald's in Oregon tonight, and he said, yeah, come come like, with me. Yeah. I'll give you beer if you talk online for three hours. So. <laughs> That's exactly how it went down. Yes. Oh, Nemesis. That was... Uh, I had such high hopes for that, too, because it was written by Brent Spiner, and I love Brent Spiner. But, yeah, it wasn't good. Tom Hardy with, with the clone, yeah. Tom Hardy as internet the clone made candy. Tom Hardy. Of, I mean, come on. Like, okay, Patrick Stewart's a good-looking man. Tom Hardy is a good-looking man in his own right. But do they look alike? No, <laughs> not even in the slightest. Patrick Stewart has nothing of Tom Hardy's lips. I don't know what's going on with his lips. Like, his lips are like a thing of their own 
I don't know what's talking about his lips an awful lot for a heterosexual male. It's not... It's not one of those things that I'm like, oh my gosh, his lips. It's more like, oh my gosh, his lips. Like, <laughs> like I don't like people are like, oh Tom Hardy. I'm like, really? But with those lips? I mean, I don't get it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that mm, Nemesis was was not was not great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it it but it does lend into you know they're doing this Picard series, which is literally set the same amount of time between nemesis as has passed since nemesis. Uh-huh. So all of the characters, all of the actors are at the age they should be. And yet thus far, the only person who's confirmed to have at least a cameo on the show for sure is Brent Spiner as data. Really? Which especially with how they ended nemesis. <laughs> that's what, that's what cracks me up. I'm like, wait a minute. He is the only one who has oh, like aged. But haven't they said this is going to be in the in the Abrams verse though, the alternate no, timeline? No, 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 no. So Th- that's a little bit of a misconception. This is prime timeline. However, the the reason that people think it's going to be the JJ verse or whatever is because right. it it may or may not have to do with the destruction of Romulus. Which okay. is something we've only seen thus far in the JJ verse, but if you recall, that no, we happened saw, before. saw the destruction of Vulcan. We didn't actually see the destruction of Romulus. And, well, but we know that and, that Romulus was destroyed. That uh, Spock was not uh, able uh, to stop it. He tried to stop it, and it was in that attempt to stop it that he created the time rift, which created the JJ verse. Okay. So we know that the destruction of Romulus happens in the prime timeline at at some point. We don't. We haven't seen it yet. We know it happens in Spock's lifetime, but that's all we know. But it does happen in the Prime Universe because that happened before the JJ-verse was created because the JJ-verse was created due to Spock's attempts to stop it. that. Right, right, His right. His failed right. attempts okay. to stop that. So what people are like, oh, it's going to be JJ-verse because it has to do with the destruction of Romulus. No, 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 no. That was going to happen. Regardless, like that's that star was going Nova that that wasn't caused by the time shifts. All the other stuff that we've dealt with, the fact that for some reason, that music group that I can't stand exists in the Star Trek canon now. um, The fact that that happened, that's all because of. Oh, the Beastie Boys? Yes, that's that's them. Fuck you. Especially like, how can you have a song? That mentions Spock be in a universe existing before Spock did. That's I, classical oh, music. Drives me nuts. It's classical music. <laughs> Fuck you, Eric. <laughs> Fuck you. No uh, sleep till fucking Brooklyn. I've never, never, n- never been a Beastie Boys fan. But the fact that they picked a song that literally mentioned Spock, and I was like, wait, but. Yeah, it doesn't. But he didn't exist with a song. Which, oh God, I'm gonna. It's oh, the grandfather paradox. Get over here. it. <laughs> it's grandfather paradox. Get over it. it, it Just it like Spock out the in, end. in Star and Trek Five. No, six. The one, the one thing country. that did bug me, I will say this, is that people were complaining about the inclusion of that song in the third Star Trek movie. Yeah, that was uh, of the new yeah. one, as though yeah. they hadn't noticed that it was in the first of the new Star Trek movies. They're right. like, I can't believe they used it. The, the song shouldn't exist. I'm like, um, 
you guys know they yeah, that, use that in the first of the new movies. Which that was felt really the focus group to me. Like that song tests really well in relation to Star Star Trek. Evidently, like. But we used it in the first film. No, no, no. You don't understand. It no, tests no, it's okay. really well. No, no, no. Here's the thing. <laughs> Kirk really likes that song. Okay, so we're gonna play it again. No, I didn't have a problem with them using it the second time. I, yeah, my yeah. only problem was the whole fact that they happened to use a song that references Star Trek. Like it just throws a weird paradox into the situation that I'm like, I don't like, yeah. but other than that, I was fine with it. Um, my, my problem was with the people who were literally like, I can't believe they used that song in Star Trek when they were only talking about the third movie. And I'm like, did you guys not notice that they used that same song in the first yeah, movie? Yeah, like yeah. that song already exists in Canon as far as those movies are concerned. Like, if you were going to complain about it, why didn't you complain about it then? Like you didn't complain about it when it was playing in a car, but he plays it on a starship and you're losing your shit. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. It was, it was, it was well used in the first movie. In the third I thought movie. so too. I like, I, honestly, that I, I know was, that was film, an awesome scene. Don't get me wrong. When they used the song to, you know, blow up the opposition, that was, that was really cool. <laughs> but had they not used it so prominently in the first film, I think it would have had more impact in the third yeah, so. it is possible. And like I said, I was um it just my issue is just the the paradoxical yeah, right. nature of the of the lyrics of the song. I I honestly don't care <laughs> one way or the yeah. other. Like it's it's just kind of an interesting thing to if you look at the music, you know, usually Star Trek tries to stay away from any type of current music. And you know, when they try to make this, and they do a, such a horrible, horrible job of making futuristic music, like it always Ooh. sounds terrible. So it's like, okay, you know what? I'm okay with them using classic rock or whatever you want to call it, because at least we know that exists instead of this weird fake stuff that they think people are going to listen to in the future. It's it's always terrible. Um, no, it's all it's all for the glory of the empire it's all for the glory <laughs> of the Klingon empire so as it should be um but have you heard it in the original Klingon <laughs> anyway sorry I'll stop the, the dad jokes only get worse as I get older it's it, it's the way of life that is the the way of things um yeah but no in general I'm a Star Trek fan. I mean, I, I love Star Trek in all of its forms, TV, movies, and the the JJ-verse even. Like, yeah, I thought the second JJ-verse movie was just a tad derivative, perhaps. Uh, yeah, they, would, they tried for homage, and it just became weirdly awkward. The, the weirdest part was the fact that they spent so much time and press trying to convince us that Bandersnap Cumberbund wasn't Khan. Yeah. When we all knew that he was. And it's like, yeah, just, you know, either don't answer it's, the question or just let it be because honestly, yeah. you're not fooling anybody. And then it sure, it shows up and he, you get to that line where he reveals his name and it's supposed to be this big shock. And every single buddy, every single, every single person in the theater that I was in was like, uh, -huh. yeah, we know. <laughs> like, Duh. Um, I th they they were going for some big shock and it just it didn't work. Uh, yeah, I think in the age yeah. of the internet, you're gonna have to go, you're gonna have to try harder if you want to surprise people when it comes to a, a reveal like that. Yeah. 
So that was my biggest complaint about the second one. The third one I really enjoyed, but it was it didn't have the the oomph that I thought the first one did. I really did to, enjoy that first one. Trying to think of any film recently that's just had a really solid twist that just really caused my jaw to hit the floor. And I'm sure I'll have something here in a couple minutes because you know that's <laughs> how slow my brain works. I don't know. Maybe I, I should have I another beer. Feeling. Trust me. Um, but uh, what do you what do you think? When I said that, what are you thinking of? Any, uh, any good twist moments where you're just like, holy uh, shit, that's brilliant. You know what? I, I can't think of any in films recently, but that's also because I don't get out to the movies very much. And honestly, I mean, the last movie I saw in theaters was uh, Endgame. That was literally okay. the last movie I saw in theaters. And before that, the last movie I'd seen was uh, Captain Marvel. And only, okay. we only saw Captain Marvel in theaters because Endgame was coming out and we're like, we need to see Captain Marvel before we go see Endgame. So we went and yeah. saw that. Otherwise, Captain Marvel might have been relegated to watching at home. Um, yeah. In fact, actually, both uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp and uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, those two are the only MCU movies that I never actually saw in theaters. I only ever saw those ones at home after the fact. Right, um, right. But I do plan on seeing the new Spider-Man movie. I haven't seen it yet. And I... I really kind of do want to go back and watch the re-release of Endgame with the bonus features um, just because I, I want to see it again. And since they're re-releasing in theaters, that means it's going to be even longer before it's out on digital. So um, I, I might go, I might go watch it again, but as far as like twists and turns that really had me uh, shocked, I, I can't think of any movies off the top of my head because I haven't haven't seen a ton of them. But um T V shows there definitely have been some that have that have had some good twists and turns. Um we've been watching uh Barry on HBO. I don't know if you've heard of this one. I I have heard of it. I haven't I haven't watched it. It's it's a fun show. We watched the first season. Uh, it's very interesting. It's uh Bill Hader, like you have not seen Bill Hader before. Like I did not realize the range that Bill Hader actually had. Like if you watch SNL and watch Bill Hader on that, you're like, yeah. uh, yeah, okay. He, he can be funny sometimes. Okay, great. He's, this is the one where he's a hitman, right? Yeah, he's a hitman who doesn't want to be a hitman. <sighs> he wants to be an actor. He's trying to be an actor instead, and he's just kind of sucked into this this life. Like he can't get out of this hitman life, and it's it's actually quite interesting and every episode they're they're throwing something new at you um and especially that very that that last episode of the first season um definitely has some some twists that are like oh crap um so that's something i definitely recommend um speaking of star trek if you haven't watched star trek discovery yet the first season has some really great twists and turns that some people, when we were watching week to week, and everybody was conversing online between episodes about what might be going on, some mm -hmm. of the twists and turns were guessed, and some weren't. Well, well, I, I shouldn't say that. I should say everything pretty much, all everything yeah. they did was guessed by somebody at some point, but there were also a lot of other things that were guessed that weren't the case. So there was a lot of theories out there and only some of them ended up being true. And it was enough that I was still surprised 
by even though we had guessed some of the right. things, it was still surprising. And if you were watching it, if you're binging it, if you're just watching it straight through without the, you know, stop. Oh, okay, I'm going to stop after the this week episode. of downtime. I'm going to take a episodes. week and get online and talk about this episode. Um, you probably won't see these coming as much. I think that really, especially yeah. the first season, did a really good job. The second season, I felt was really great storytelling. I don't know if it had as many twists and turns, but it definitely was great storytelling. Well, I know that you and I, in our own private discussions and speculation as season two unfolded, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had our ideas of who was in the in the angel suit yeah. and how that played out. I won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't, who may not have watched or who may want to experience it for themselves, but it was it was fairly original how that was handled. And uh, I, I enjoyed the way that unfolded and, and there, you know, the fun is in the speculation, the fun is in the guessing. So I, I do like how uh, CBS All Access forces you to watch week to week as opposed to the Netflix method where they just, you know, yeah. drop eight hours worth of Stranger Things 3 <laughs> on you. Which I you. haven't gotten a chance to watch yet because I'm so far behind on my shows. Yeah. Like I haven't finished Jessica Jones season three yet, which I need to finish up. And then Stranger Things season three, that's my next my next one up. And then there's uh, there's a couple other things that I need to watch. The problem is that I get so little time yeah. to actually watch TV. Like I can sort of watch stuff at work. Like we're allowed to have stuff on as long as we – the official rule is that we cannot – be able to see our screens like we're supposed to either have our phone face down or in a mm-hmm. drawer or like turned away they are kind of flexible on that as long as you're meeting your numbers right, right even still it's not something that i can focus on and so when i am watching something i'm usually watching something that either a doesn't require a lot of my attention like just a, a comedy or something like that or it's something that I've seen a hundred times, so I don't yeah. really need to like. I can get the gist of it. Like I've rewatched TNG and Deep Space Nine and Voyager and even Enterprise um, yeah. multiple times at work because I don't need to watch every second of it. I've seen them over and over again. I don't need to watch that. But stuff like Stranger Things or Jessica Jones or these newer shows. Um, you know, I just finished watching the most recent uh, season of Black Mirror, which I have to say, I don't know if you are you a Black Mirror. I I honestly I gave it a shot. I couldn't do it. Did you start yeah, with it's... the very very first episode with the pay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I I did. You know, I tried to give the first couple episodes a go, uh, and then at the time, uh, I think it was season three or four. Um, the the most recent episode at the time was the the social credit score episode. If you remember oh, that no. one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just I couldn't. So it's very it was very much a, a Breaking Bad for me. I couldn't do Breaking Bad because I want to watch something to relax. I want to watch something to enjoy it. I don't want to watch something to be stressed out by it. <laughs> and Breaking Bad did that for me, and Black Mirror does that for me. So I just I just, I don't want to be stressed. So. I'm a Zen yeah, dude, man. Yeah, Black Mirror is not a uh, rec- like a, a relaxing show, that's for sure. I I like no. it for the storytelling. No. This most recent season, I don't think it lived up to its predecessors personally. Um, but yeah, I, I find a lot of people who who have only tried to watch that very very first episode, and that very mm-hmm. first episode is really hard to get through because it's it's really dense and the subject material is. It's kind of well it's it's kind of specific to Britain first of all. 
right, so there's right. a lot of people who don't like in the United States who are like looking at like why do I care? And then because of the disturbing nature of the material, they're kind of like, oh god, why do I why do I want to watch this? Yeah. So I've I've known a lot of people who have only tried to watch the very first episode of the very first season and have said no, I can't do this. To right. those people, I say, just try episode two and go forward and see how you like it because. I think if you get past that very first episode, you might enjoy it more. But if you are looking for relaxing, Black Mirror is not the way to go because it gives you, at most, in most seasons, you get one happy ending per season. And you know the moment you get a happy ending in one of the episodes, you're about to get totally mind-fucked the next episode. because, And even more so than the ones before it. And that's... That's actually what I love about it is the fact that they're so twisted. Like you get so very few happy endings out of these stories, but the stories themselves, the way they do it. And for those who don't know, Black Mirror is kind of a, it's an anthology show similar to Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, that sort of thing where it's love, death and robots. Yeah. Each episode is uh, an individual story that while they exist in the, we do discover eventually that they exist in the same universe as each other. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't tie into it. You don't have to watch them in order or all of them to get the story. Each one is an independent, complete story. Basically, their premise is that they're taking a specific piece of technology that we have currently, evolving it to its next step, and then showing how that could go horribly wrong. Yep. That's essentially what Black Mirror is. In fact, that's where the, the title comes from, is, is the Black Mirror is... You looking your at yourself in your phone or your tablet or your computer when the screen turns off and you've got this, you're just looking at yourself and in this black mirror. It's it's entirely technology-based. And I think the first few seasons really did a great job of taking just little pieces of technology. There there was an episode, um, you mentioned the, um, the episode with the social media scores. That's something that they were actually instituting in China for a time that that where people were actually being scored based on these like social media scores and those scores based on other people's likes or dislikes of you of your pictures of your posts of this sort of thing could actually affect whether or not you got credit for a car or a home or like things like this exactly and this was like taking that to another level to where like everybody could see your score at all times and you know, so it, it was basically just kind of taking this to a whole nother level. And they had, you know, they had an episode where they, they took virtual reality. They've had a couple episodes where they've dealt with virtual reality in different aspects of virtual reality. There was one that was like kind of a Star Trek, not a, not a parody per se, but yeah, it I kind of had a Star Trek theme. I, it wasn't a parody of Star Trek. Like the, the premise was not Star Trek based. It was the, the premise of the episode was a, was a, virtual reality type thing the, the character just happened to have a star trek type storyline that he went into um it was definitely it was a great episode it was one of the few episodes where we get kind of a sort of a happy ending i don't want to say a perfectly happy ending but we get you, you don't leave it completely mind fucked anyway so i definitely right. recommend that i think it was called the uss callister if i recall that was the title of the episode I definitely yeah. recommend that one to any Star Trek fans out there listening. Give that episode at least a watch. It's fun. Um, and speaking of Breaking Bad, the, the main character in that one was the guy who played the uh, 
weird guy who killed the kid on the bike in Breaking Bad. So there's a tie-in for you. Um, <laughs> and and it had the girl who ended up being the mother in How I Met Your Mother. Um, so there you go. That's another yeah. tie-in. So if you watched How I Met Your Mother till the end and were disappointed in that actress, you can watch her in Black Mirror. <laughs> No, we're we're big fans of that series in our house. I, I love I love that show. I thought it was a great yeah. comedy. It was one of those ones that again, it was I, I never got so deep into the story that I was like involved in the characters. I just that's one of those ones I can yeah. literally watch any episode and just I'll, I'll I'll laugh at the jokes in that episode and be happy and I don't need to know the story whole story. We uh we referenced the intervention banner at work today oh. and um Zitch Dog gets used regularly around here. And um uh, Oh hell! Uh, the slap bet. Oh. Uh, I love the, the slap bet is one of the best running gags in any sitcom at any time, and it's so satisfying when it happens. And you know, Marshall throws up. That's three. <laughs> you know, I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't get any better. Oh, you know, that, people that like that to throw up in legendary, you know, oh, and stuff yeah. like that. But slap bet is right. Legend, it's wait for it. Hope you're not lactose intolerant. <laughs> lactose intolerant, because the rest of that sentence is dare. dare. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that it, it, that was a fun show, and yeah, it's it's one of those things that it's kind of like it, it it fit perfectly in its time. And I think yeah. if we if you go back and watch that ten years from now, you'll probably be like, oh my god, look how like I don't know if it's gonna date poorly as much it's... as like like I go back. I loved Friends when it was on. I absolutely loved it. It cracked me up. And I can still go back and watch episodes and laugh at the jokes, but at the same time, I can see just how dated it is yeah. compared yeah. to the, the current, not just like technology and stuff. You know, you see the, you know, it's like season three before any of the characters gets a cell phone yeah. or a laptop or anything like that. And then you're like, oh my God, like what the, where, when were these people living? What the crap? But at the same time, yeah. it's like also the fact that, Hey, this was on at a time where it was still okay to make gay jokes on TV, and that was acceptable. Like that was like it's it, it it's a product of its time, and as long as you yeah. accept it for that, I think you can still enjoy the show. Um, it definitely went on far longer than it needed to. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. The the last couple of yeah. seasons were like, okay, we're stretching here. This the, the, the final has season been was nothing out. but the wedding. Yeah, so. that was. Uh, I don't. I don't think How I Met Your Mother is going to age all that well because, you know, th that's one of those uh, shows that we binge watch. You know, every mm -hmm. couple of years. Right. And even now, it's like in the we're in a post me. Well, not a post me too. We're in a me too world now, and um, the main character in How I Met Your Mother, he's a little too persistent and a little too creepery <laughs> in some in some episodes. I was kind of cringing on a couple of them there. Yeah. With how he just would times. not take no for an answer and how he would just keep pursuing. And I was like, yeah, that wouldn't fly. In yeah. five, five, ten years from now, that, and, that's and, probably and that's the one main of the character episodes who's that not supposedly the nice guy of the show. Let's not even talk about Barney. <laughs> well, even... I think Barney's such a caricature that um, I don't think that he would ever age out because he's such a car caricature of, you know, yeah, he, he was men never are. acceptable. Like, like yeah. he, he was always the example of the unacceptable, right. even at the beginning. He was so right. I, I get you, I get you, but yeah, yeah it's 
it's one of those ones I don't know. You know, we'll see when it gets as old as Friends is to where whether or not it. Like I said, I can still go back and watch episodes of Friends, and I can still laugh and and have fun with them because I was there when they they came out. But I could see that, like, if I were to watch that now with fresh eyes and be like, people laughed at this? Like, what the yeah. crap? Like, it, it's one of those things that a lot of these shows, whenever you set a show in modern time, you're going to face that factor of aging. That's one thing that, that's a reason I love sci-fi is because it's always set in the future. And even if you get to the year in which it is supposedly said and this stuff hasn't happened yet, you can still accept that you can still accept the fiction part of the science fiction. You know what I mean? Like you can still like get that. Okay. Maybe this isn't the future we ended up with, but it's the future that we should have ended up with. Yeah. Blade Runner is a good example of that. You know, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) If you look at that or um, even back to the future, I mean, we're supposed to have flying cars now. You know, oh, we were yeah. supposed to have flying cars last year. Like, what the hell, man? Where's my flying car? Yeah, we could have had flying cars last year, but we still have to prove to people that we put, you know, astronauts on the moon in the 1960s. So. We start on this year. Holy crap. We still have to. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't think we're ready to, to mine that particular part of it. Oh. <laughs> I don't think we're ready to I, I don't know if you saw my post the other day, yet. but we had, you know, we've recently here in Ohio. We're both in Ohio, even though we're not in the same city. Um, we We've had uh, some confirmed cases of measles here in Ohio, which is a disease that we should not have any confirmed cases of ever anywhere in the United States because it's got a fucking vaccine. It's been eradicated in the United States. We should not be seeing measles anymore, but we are. And I posted something on Facebook about like, Hey, don't be stupid, vaccinate your kids. And of course, uh, a few people decided they needed to argue the point with me and threw random things that they think are facts at me. And I'm just like, I I can't even, I wanted to just post that picture from Watchmen. (laughs) That's all I wanted to do. I was like, I can't even, I can't even with you people right now. Yeah, there's a couple good, you know, plague enthusiast memes that have gone around recently that I really like. The most recent of which was, um, you know, what's what's an anti-vaxxer going to say when they eventually come up with a vaccine for autism? <laughs> that was a good one. And then the other one, which is a more long-form story, but it basically ends with the, the doctor asking the, the patient, you know, have you considered the possibility that, you know, the position that you hold is informed because, you know, the Russians and the Chinese are trying to cause civil unrest in the United States. <laughs> and this is the the way that they've infected you to try and cause that civil unrest or, you know, to cause, you know, an outbreak of disease indirectly. And of course, you know, that, that one, it's, it's probably been broadcast pretty widely. That was was one of my favorite ones. So. Yeah. I've seen that stuff. It, it, it boggles my mind. I'm like, and like I told the person who tried to argue with me with like 15 comments on my post with yeah. random like, look at this, look at this random side effect you might get from a vaccine and this should yeah. scare you off from getting any vaccine ever. I'm like, are you being serious right now? But I just I just posted I, I simply said, listen, if years and years of scientific proof have not changed your mind, my Facebook yeah. post isn't going to do it. 
So yeah. I'm not going to try, but I am still allowed to be angry at the danger in which you put my family. I have two Ace Planet people in my household. My wife and daughter both don't have spleens, which means even though they've been vaccinated against all of the things you can be vaccinated against, they don't necessarily carry the titers against those diseases because their spleen is not there. So if they come into contact with somebody who has been in contact with somebody who has been in contact with somebody who has not been vaccinated against these diseases, they could possibly get it. And that to me is bullshit. There's a lot of things like I'm not all, I'm not about the nanny state. I'm not about laws to protect me from me. I think laws should be there to protect me from other people. They should be there to protect me from the government and they should be there to protect me from corporations that might seek to exploit me. But as far as protecting me from me, yeah, you know, give me the warning, but let me do what I want to do. You know, if I want to drink, great. If I want to smoke, great. If I want to do some drugs, great. It's on me. Make it illegal for me to drive while I'm doing them. That's fine because that puts other people in danger. Yeah. But as far as like with with vaccinations and stuff, that's not a my child, my choice thing. That's a your child, my family is in danger now choice. That's some bullshit. But I digress. Yeah, you, you can't use reason to persuade a person to abandon a position they didn't use reason to obtain. Exactly. So it's just, you know, I I take the patent out. I'm getting Oswald that tattooed on my thigh. No, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I take the patent Oswald approach to this. It's like, look, I respect that you have a right to an opinion, but you need to understand that I have the right to find your opinion effing ridiculous yes so <laughs> exactly that's for most things i'm like okay i you know y your opinion as long as like, again it, it all comes down to whether or not it affects me or not if it only affects you then i might think you're stupid but i'm not going to stand in your way yeah if it affects me or my family then I might say something about it. And that's what it Sorry. came down to. You know, it's like, and and like I said, I, I usually try to keep things pretty apolitical on Facebook. I don't, you know, maybe, maybe two or three times a year, I'll post something <laughs> vaguely political. I think I posted something on uh, either veterans or Memorial day um, because I felt like it needed to be said that, I think yeah. it was Memorial Day. I posted something because, you know, people were I had seen some some of the people I follow are very anti-war and anti-military and stuff like that. And I get that. I'm not pro-war or really pro-military necessarily. I don't automatically believe that if you join the military that makes you a great person or a hero necessarily, but I also don't think that makes you a bad person necessarily. I you know, it takes yeah. it takes all kinds. And yeah. I'm not going to hold the country's choices against the individuals that chose to join the military. It's like, okay, well, I disagree with yeah. where and when and how the country is using the military, but that doesn't mean that I dislike the military necessarily. It's, it's a weird line I draw, but I, I was just kind of like, you know, there was a lot of people on my particular feed that were very anti-military at that point. And I'm like, you know what, this, what, this isn't about, this day isn't about that. This yeah. day is about honoring those who did choose to believe whatever they believed that necessitated them to give up everything.
for this country. Whether yeah. you believe that those ideals exist or not doesn't matter. That's not what this day is about. So just calm down. And if you know somebody who is or was in the military, you know, say thank you. Yeah. That's that's it. Like I don't you know, like this is this is a separate a thing. That's the only thing that I went online to say. And um even that got some backlash. People were like, Oh, you hate the military? I'm like, I didn't say that. <laughs> God damn it. I'm I'm assuming you haven't muted me on Facebook. But you've you've probably seen some of the stuff that I post and I'm a I'm a bit more liberal with my opinion on emphasis on liberal with my opinion on Facebook. And uh, that gets me into some hot water sometimes. I definitely have but, not uh, muted you or anything on Facebook. <laughs> However, I very rarely actually look at Facebook, to be honest. I gotcha. I skim through my Instagram, and yeah. I do it I, – I honestly – I would say I read a caption on a picture, maybe one out of every ten right. pictures, maybe. <laughs> and, and if the uh, – you know, so I don't – I don't get a lot of the political posts, even if like might see a, there's yeah. a picture of a flag. Okay. Well I'm keeping scrolling. So I have no idea if that was just a picture. Someone said, <laughs> Hey, look at this great picture of a flag I took or America. It could yeah. be either one. I don't care. I'm just, I'm just scrolling. But Facebook yeah. with its new algorithms and everything is like, it shows you what it thinks you want to see. And then an ad and then another thing it thinks you want to see. And then an ad. And it's like, I, I can't yeah. even with Facebook anymore. So I very, very rarely go on Facebook unless I get a notification specifically that somebody mentioned or tagged me. Yeah. And even then I don't even always get those notifications like, because I get so many notifications from Facebook. Like Facebook's like this person posted. I'm like, do I even know that person? Like, why are you sending me a notification yeah. to my phone that a person I don't know posted something? They didn't tag me. They didn't post me. They just posted something. I don't need that notification. And then I do go look at Facebook and like real notification, like actual comments to my post are on there that I didn't get notified of. I'm like, why did you send yeah. me a notification that Rando over here posted something, but you didn't give me a notification that somebody I know actually commented on something I said? <laughs> what the hell, man? I've really taken steps over the last few months to not curate my social media feeds, but you know, curate how much of that gets my attention. Right. So I've tried to... You know, I've been trying to manage stress in my life a lot. I don't have a stressful life right at the moment, and I haven't had for several months, but I've really tried to mute the amount of times that my phone buzzes to distract me away from other stuff that I need to focus on, right. like trying to pay attention to my wife, trying to pay attention to my daughter, trying to you know give my employer my best game when I show up from nine to five. Right. So... Um, no, I totally agree yeah. on that. As far as like with with Facebook, my notifications for Facebook don't even like I have them. So they don't yeah. even make sounds on my phone. Like I'll get them on my phone, but they don't make sounds. Yeah. The only things that actually like make sounds on my phone specifically are my Facebook Messenger, and that's only because I use Messenger not only for Facebook Messenger, but I actually use Messenger as my primary texting app as well. So all of my text messages. And Facebook messages go through Messenger primarily because the chat heads. Yeah, yeah. That's honestly because I have a Samsung and um, Samsung text messages, for some reason, they haven't you know stepped up with the rest of the world for whatever reason and made yeah. text message notifications that you can actually 
reply to and do stuff with on top of other apps. Like you have to actually leave the app you're in to go into the text messaging app. And I'm like, everybody else does it. LG does it. Apple does it. Come on guys. But as long as I can use messenger, it's great. I can get my text messages. I can reply and a little pop up and still be playing my Yahtzee. It's all. Yeah. I get a lot of mileage out of uh, signal. I like that really well. And I've my gamer buddies are on discord and telegram and Slack and everything else. So, yeah, my daughter talks about her Discord chat. Like, oh, why my Discord chat said I was like, oh, what the fuck is a Discord chat? I feel like an old man over here. I feel like James What the fuck is the internet? Oh, speaking <laughs> of, have you seen the trailer for the Jane Silent Bob reboot? Oh my gosh! I saw the teaser image. There's and a full trailer, and it is amazing. <laughs> I I need to watch it. I have oh, not watched it yet. It I is... accidentally watched the Top Gun Maverick trailer today and I was just like there's zero original content I there. Didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't even know oh, that. Oh god, that was it's a thing. horrible. I that if, I if you know. loved everything that was Top Gun, you're going to love the trailer because everything that was in the trailer happened in the original film. <laughs> like all the scenes shot for shot, you know, he literally is on the motorcycle racing an airplane in the in the Top Gun Maverick trailer. And I'm like, you don't even need to go see the movie. You've already seen it. He's yeah, just 20, he's just 30 years older now. <laughs> Guarantee you he still gets shirtless on a volleyball court. Guarantee yeah, that Seriously, it was, there, there was a beach volleyball scene oh, and Jesus. he was shirtless. <laughs> oh, man. Tom Cruise, so man. I, yeah, I tell you yeah. what, Tom Cruise is one of those ones. He's one of those guys like I there are so many things that he's done acting wise that I enjoy. But it's so hard for me to consume anything new of his, knowing what a fucking nut bar he is, and just yeah. just with the knowledge in the back of my head that I'm like, he actually he believes that Xenu, the alien, strapped the bad people to our volcanoes, and the spirits of those bad people are what make bad people do things to de- like he believes that. I can't even with this guy right now, and I can't. I I haven't even watched the last two. Uh, Mission Impossible movies, even though the first few were were awesome action movies. I'm not saying they're awesome movies in general. Speaking of opinions, you're fucking wrong. But anyway, you can go on. <laughs> the, the first couple. I don't, which one was the last one I saw? I can't remember if it was the third one or... the. I think I saw Rogue Nation. I feel like I saw Rogue Nation at home on TV. The last one I saw in the theaters, I know for a fact, was two. But the first Mission Impossible I thought was a great yeah. way to update the old TV show to a movie format. And with John Voight and Tom Cruise, before I knew he was a nut bar, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I thought it I thought it was was great for what it was. Like again, one of those things where you look at it objectively as a if you're looking at it from a film standpoint, no, it's not that great. But if you're looking no. at it from a I want to enjoy myself for two hours and not give a shit about the rest of the world. It's fun as hell. Yeah. It takes that gum and like folds it over and throws it at the fish tank. Oh man, it's great. No, I've never been a huge Tom Cruise fan. Neither yeah. have I, honestly, I like Top Gun. I, I was like, I love Top Gun. I tried to watch it a couple months back. I only made it halfway through before I had to turn it off. I literally turned it off. I yeah. was like, holy crap. I liked this. 
at some yeah. point in my life, I enjoyed this. <laughs> what the uh, fuck you know, was you wrong know another with actor me? with films like that that just have absolutely not aged well. Oh man, I that was the first one that I literally like. I I had to question my own sanity that I had ever liked it. I I got halfway through and I was like, what did I see in this movie? Like, there's other movies yeah. like I'll go back and watch that are older movies and I can be like, oh yeah, this didn't age great, but I can understand what I, you know, why I liked it when I did. It's like in the eighties. You know, yeah. it was it was Schwarzenegger and it was Stallone and it was Steven Seagal and it was Jean Claude Van Damme. Have you I, have you gone back and watched a Jean Claude Van Damme I, recently? Like, have you watched Bloodsport? Other or, than time, you know? no. I refuse to watch any. I refuse to rewatch any Jean Claude Van. Can't even say his fucking name. It's so messed up. I refuse to watch any old Jean Claude Van Damme movie except for Time <sighs> Cop. I will watch Time Cop all day, every day, though. I will tell oh, you yeah. that right now. Well, you know, that's got me a Sarah, which is a whole other story. But, um, <laughs> and, yeah, Jean-Claude, like, Bloodsport. Oh, my God. It's, it's, it's <laughs> so, terrible, isn't it? So I think I watched horrible. the one that I thought, like, oh, I, I, it was, um, oh God, it was, it was one of those, it wasn't Bloodsport, but it was one of the other movies of that ilk that he did oh god it, it, there was like three or four of them too what was it didn't he do like there was something else or was it blood sport that he did like was that was there like four sequels well there was there, let's see okay so what was here the we go one again where the very end of the movie is him like breaking the guy's neck over his shoulder yeah yeah do you, do you know what i'm talking about yeah you know what movie i'm talking about him? It was it was either one of the blood sports or another one of the martial art contest movies that he did, which I'm sure there were like yeah. twenty of. And I remember when I was a kid, that movie was like the best thing I'd ever seen. And I made the mistake of trying to show somebody else that movie a couple of years back, and I got halfway through and I'm just like I'm I'm just like holding my head in my hands, going like, oh god, these people are gonna judge me so hard. I'm like, listen, um, last time I saw this movie, I was 12 years old. I just want to point that out. Yeah. <laughs> so Bloodsport was the one where he played Frank Dukes. And so that was good. I think Lion, no, Kickboxer was the one where like his brother you know, got the crap kicked out of him and got killed oh, or something oh. like that. Sorry. Let's not talk any crap about Double Trouble, though. Double Trouble was legit. You know, him and Dennis Rodman. You know that was good. And then, of course, he played in Street Fighter, the movie, which was just oh, atrocious. Oh, Julia. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was Raul Julia's how did last you, film. Oh, I, how do you how do you go out like that? How, as an actor of that caliber, do you go out with that as the last thing on your resume? Yeah. Oh, I oh I I just wish he could have lived long enough to do one more movie so that that wasn't the last thing he did. But right about the time that, you know, Bloodsport was out and Cyborg was out, I was over, you know, this is 1989, so teenage me hanging out at a friend's house. He's like, dude, you need you need to watch this movie. This is like the first movie that he's ever in. There's No Retreat, No Surrender, where he played a Russian bad guy, just a nameless Russian bad guy. And, oh, my God, I thought Bloodsport was bad. No Retreat, <laughs> No Surrender was even worse. There's like barely any dialogue. It's just 
people wandering around getting into random fights with one another and he happens to be a Russian on a sub and there's like a fight on the on the sub when it's getting ready trying to go and they're getting ready to go underwater and you know and they're trying to you know build up that tension like that it was it was completely horrible it was just, it was atrocious <laughs> it, it's it, it sounds bad just based on your description <sighs> um yeah there's so many movies like i remember when i was a kid um the movie theater near our house the only movie theater that was like near our house i lived in flagstaff arizona we only had two movie theaters in the entire town one of which was at the mall which was a two-screen theater and then across town there was a four-screen multiplex that the four screens constituted a multiplex in those days Wow, that's so late '80s, early '90s, right? Yeah, this was, um, yeah, yeah, it would have been late. It would have been mid '80s to late '80s, I think. Actually, it would be closer to the time frame. Um, but yeah, so me and my buddy would walk over to the mall because it was closest to our house, and there was a, there was an arcade, and the movie theater was like right there in the food court in the mall. It was like right there, like an arcade right across from the movie theater. Well, one of our one of our buddies' big brothers got a job at the movie theater and would occasionally let us in for free. So we started watching movies like all the time when he was working. But of course, again, this was only a two-screen theater. So they only had a couple of movies at a time um and so I, i'm just looking it up right now because the particular movie that i'm thinking of it was 90 92 so it was it was early 90s that i was thinking of but me and my buddies watched three ninjas in the theater probably 25 times oh man and we loved the crap out of that movie and i tried to <laughs> i tried to show that movie to my daughter a few years back and it was one of those ones where I got halfway through and I was just ashamed of myself. Because <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, at one time I liked this. <laughs> what was wrong with me? And then I had to like, oh, let me do let me do the calculation here. I was born in 1979. The movie came out in 92. That makes me 11 years old at the time this movie came out. Like, give me a break. I was 11. What the crap did I know about movies? So uh, mid-90s, college with my buddies, you know, and uh, it was early 90s that Highlander 2 came out. And if you ever saw Highlander, the first Highlander with Christopher Lambert, it was... Oh, that was fantastic. It's, it's not a great movie, but it's it's a good, bad movie. It, it, you know? It's, yeah, it's one of those movies that's just complete trash, but it's so trash, it's good. Yeah. And Highlander 2 came out, and it was complete trash. And... All of me, me and my buddies, we were we were just gutted because we were we had such high hopes for that movie. So the director was like, "Look, I know it was trash. I've done a director's cut, and so we're going to release a director's cut. <laughs> director's cut comes out, and it's basically them dubbing over uh, any references to the alien planet Zeist." And so it said, free men of the planet Zeiss. And, and Sean Connery says, free men of the planet, hear me. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> what? Crap. So it wasn't even, it wasn't any better. And then finally they said, okay, look, we know that the first one, the first cut sucked and the director's cut sucked. 
but the director said, we have all this extra footage. And so they threw together a renegade cut. And, you know, at this point, we're just like, all right, I'm just going to wait for it to hit the rentals. <laughs> <laughs> and we watched it. It was just, oh, it it was, you know, you hear the phrase train wreck, a slow train wreck. But this was just a slow tra- train wreck because if you've ever watched Highlander, especially growing up in the 80s or in the 90s, you know, who wants to live forever? There can be only one. That was that was really cool when you when you're a teenage boy at that time. And then Highlander 2 comes out and it's just this train wreck of just like, horrid things. What just happened to me right now? So. Yeah, I, there was a lot of bad, bad cinema in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and I think the only, I mean, let, let's not, let's not kid ourselves. There's still a lot of bad movies being made every day. The fact is that we're able to – we have more access to movies now. So the stuff that actually makes it to theaters is usually of higher caliber. But if you want to watch some bad movies, some of which are good bad movies, you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about like like The Room, like just terrible, terrible movies, but fun to watch because of how terrible they are. Yeah, yeah. Not just bad movies. You can sometimes find these movies on like Netflix by going like search for a movie you like on Netflix that you know that that doesn't exist on Netflix. And then go see what it gives you instead. Three pages down. (laughs) Now here's the here's the thing. What you do is you go like two like it gives you the more like this, and you you scroll a couple of pages down and click on something randomly. And then you then you look at that pages more like this, and you scroll two or three pages down and click on something. You do this like four or five times until you're really deep in the depths of the garbage that Netflix has to offer. And you every, every now and then, you will find a gem like I did when I found Agency of Vengeance Dark Rising, which evidently was a sequel. Evidently, there was an Agency of Vengeance 1, which mm-hmm. I still cannot find. I want to see the first one now. Because the second one was so amazingly horribly great <laughs> that, um, and it's not even it's not on Netflix anymore. I'm so mad because I told people I'm like you got to check this out on Netflix, and it's not there anymore. So I don't know I don't know where you can watch it, but if you can find Agency of Vengeance Dark Rising, watch it. It is worth nice. your time because it is so terrifically bad that it is it, it is it's one of those movies that is definitely. Uh, <laughs> It's, and I don't even know what I, I don't even remember what my original search was that led me to that, but it was like four or five pages of more like this deep into Netflix before I came across that. And I don't know what it was. I think it, I don't, I don't know if it was the, like the picture or like the, the tagline, something, something caught my eye and I said, all right, this, this is what I'm watching and had a whole bunch of nobody's in it people i'd never heard of before um it's not one of these like skinamax flicks where there's a bunch of random nudity in it for any reason in fact i think it's like pg-13 if i'm not mistaken or it it may be not rated but i know that there was no actual nudity in it i know there was some skimpy clothes i know there was like like one of the main girls like is in like brown panties at one point but there's no nudity in it there's no explicit it's not 
like a 3 a.m. HBO movie or something like that. Right, it's, right, right, it, right. It's not like one of those. It's just tremendously awful and great. Yes. It's yeah, I it that is the one besides the room, that's the one movie I'd go to when I tell people, here's a bad, great movie to watch. <laughs> I would have to say my current one right now is Knights of Bad Astom. If you've ever seen that one. I have not, but I will have So Peter Dinklage is in that. No way. He is. And um the premise is uh, LARPers. So if you're familiar with D&D and LARPing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or Society of Creative Anachronisms, um, it's about a bunch of LARPers getting together for the weekend. And one of the guys, the the wizard on their team, picked up a uh, book, which actually happens to be a real, actual uh, magician's tome. And he reads a spell and then he summons a demon from the dark side and how they you know, Oops. fight that demon off. <laughs> so... Um, with the usual, you know, guy meets girl tropes thrown oh, in yeah, along yeah. the way. Of and Peter Dinklage is in it, and he just makes it so much better. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't he make everything better? Like people talk about Elf being one of the greatest uh, current Christmas movies, and like yeah, it's fun and everything. But without Peter Dinklage, is Elf even a thing? Like, is that a movie that people would rewatch more than that year if it wasn't for Peter Dinklage? It's certainly Seriously. not Will Ferrell. Sorry, Will Ferrell fans. <laughs> I, I like Will Ferrell for what he is, which is Will Ferrell. Like, that's who he is. And I liked I liked him in specifically Anchorman, the first one, and Talladega Nights. Those two movies I felt he was hilarious in. But he was he was he was playing him, basically. And that's okay. Sometimes that's what actors do, you know. And right. Sometimes people can. Sometimes actors can make a damn good living doing that. You don't ask William Shatner to not be William Shatner. Exactly. You don't ask Christopher Walken to not be Christopher Walken. I'm looking, I'm looking at you, Adam Sandler. So <laughs> he is making shit tons of money from Netflix to just be Adam Sandler. So, right. Um, that's okay. But yeah, no Elf. Like it's it's got its moments, but. No Peter Dinklage and no um, what's her name with the weird name? Uh, Zoe Deschanel. Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, Zoe no, Deschanel. No, no Peter Dinklage. No Zoe Deschanel. You've got no <laughs> movie. That's that's my opinion on that. Um, that being said, I still think Elf is one of the uh, one of the best Christmas movies. I watch it every Christmas along with Christmas Vacation and Die Hard. Which is a Christmas movie. It is. And so is, uh, I also count the first Lethal Weapon as a Christmas movie, although I don't count it in as high a regard as the other ones. I'll accept that. But, yeah. I mean, that first Lethal Weapon movie literally opens on Jingle Bell Rock. It, yeah, it I mean, it opens on a hooker taking a nosedive off of a 30-story balcony to Jingle Bell Rock, but it still opens on Jingle Bell Rock. <laughs> so, Christmas movie. Oh, also, another movie that we, I personally, I, I don't want to include anybody else without their permission, but I personally loved before I knew what a nut bar the actor was. 
because I had no idea at that point that Mel Gibson was in fucking sane. Yeah. I just thought he was playing insane really well in that. That firstly, the weapon was like really good. Like I was like, Oh my God, like we've got, this isn't just a buddy cop. Like this isn't like, yeah, you got the buddy cop aspect of it. You got that little bit of comedic aspect, but this guy's like seriously dark. Like he is legit suicidal. Like he has got issues and they, you know, the whole ensemble like really melded together. Like, that that first movie, like if anybody out there hasn't watched any of the Lethal Weapon movies, or if they've only watched the later Lethal Weapon movies, go back and watch the first one. It is a lot darker than any of the sequels, and I think much better uh, for it. But it's definitely if you watch Lethal Weapon three and thought that's what this is, the Lethal Weapon franchise is about, then you're missing out because that's that's not really what it started out as. That was fun. I mean, I like Lethal Weapon three because Jet Li. But that was yeah. pretty much it. But Lethal you Weapon didn't have, you know, seeing a cop like that dealing with PTSD, which they didn't come out and say he was dealing with PTSD. But it's essentially what he was doing. You yeah. didn't see that kind of stuff at that time. Yeah. Which is, I mean, circling back around to Star Trek Discovery uh, is something that they did very well, I think, in the first season of Star Trek Discovery. We did see a character dealing with a PTSD type situation, which we found out was a little bit different than we originally thought. Yeah. But, right. you know, but the point is the way they portrayed it was very, very well, very, very good. Yeah. I, they, they did it. They did a really good job. Completely so, agree. Um, yeah. It, anybody out there hasn't watched Star Trek discovery yet. I highly recommend it. I think CBS is still doing their one week free trial. If you sign up new, that is, if you if you've got the time to sit down, that is plenty of time to binge watch the first two episodes of Discovery. If you do that, I guarantee you'll probably think it's worth it to keep the subscription and uh, and and wait for Picard and the third season of Discovery. And I think we're supposed to get there. There's still it's not been officially announced yet, but they have been in talks for a Michelle Yeoh led section 31 show that is in the works. So I'm kind of, I kind of go back and forth on that one. I don't know. There's, I I would rather see a Spock Pike. Oh my God. I would literally murder someone to get more Anson Mount on my TV screen as Captain Pike. Yes. Like that man is. so, (laughs) So, Captain Pike, if you've ever watched, so if if all you've ever seen of Captain Pike is from the JJ verse, right? Then you haven't really seen Captain Pike. You've seen you've seen a pretty decent version of Captain Pike. I thought I I forget that actor's name once again. There's another name that's totally escaping me, but the the actor that portrayed Pike in those movies was great and did a good job of what that Pike was supposed to be. Yes. But that's not the Pike us real hardcore from the beginning Trekkies knew. Us real hardcore from the beginning Trekkies knew that Captain Pike was a character that was never intended to see screen time. He was in the pilot for the original Star Trek in in an episode called The Cage, which is available, funnily enough, on Netflix, but not on CBS All Access. (laughs) but you can see the episode, the cage, which was the original pilot for star Trek. And then they decided that 
Pike wasn't a good enough captain for them to build a show around. So that's why they made a re that's why they did a different pilot with Kirk with Shatner's Kirk as the, as the lead. Um, then later in the series in Star Trek, the original series, they did reuse footage from the original pilot, the cage Mm -hmm. for a two part show called the menagerie parts one and two, where you do see some footage from the cage and it, it brings a whole new light into that. And the way they tied that in, like I did not know when they brought Captain Pike into Star Trek Discovery, I did not know if they were going to touch that at all. I didn't know if they were not even going to, they. I didn't, I didn't know if they were even going to like bring it up, if they were going to mention it, if it was even going to yeah. be a thing or if they were going to just gloss over it. I, I seriously thought they were just going to gloss over it and just be like, this is something that happened later or, or it's happened and it's past, it's gone. We're not dealing with it. No, they not only brought it up, they brought it, brought it up and brought it up big time and like said, here you go. Here's what we're going to do. And Anson Mount rose to the challenge of playing some, a character that had already been played by two other actors in the prime universe and a third actor in the JJ verse. Mm-hmm. And just fucking murdered it. He oh, absolutely. is Captain Pike. Like, oh, man. Oh, completely agree. Um, me and the other co-hosts of the, the Starfleet Escape podcast, uh, Aaron Gallo, who is the primary co-host. Uh, you can you can check him out at Nova Charter on various social media. And uh, Eric Berry, who also does, as well as the Starfleet Escape podcast, he does the um, Ranger Command Power Hour uh, podcast. Both of those guys and me, we we declared ourselves Anson sexual because we are, we are all three of us uh, married straight men. But all three of us were like, yeah, we would. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually got the chance. I actually got the opportunity to meet him and have a photo with him at the Great Philadelphia Comic Con. Oh and, yeah, I remember seeing that. Yeah, I have a. Uh, um, early, in, well, not early. I should say about mid of the way through season one of Star Trek Discovery, um, somebody had posted in one of the forums some 3D printed Discovery style phasers that they had made, and I was able to get one of those. And so I had this 3D printed Discovery style phaser, and I took that with me to the Great Philadelphia Comic Con. And I, when I, I went up to Anson Mount when I was in the photo line, and I said, "Can I, may I have the great pleasure of being shot by you?" <laughs> I handed him the phaser and he, he chuckled and said, sure. And he, he took the picture and the picture is me, of course, ex- like exceptionally excited to be being shot in the head by a phaser at the moment. Cause I was fucking just excited as crap. Um, nice. But yeah, he, he seemed, he seemed really cool. I mean, I only got to talk to him really for a couple of moments, but I talked to some other people who had spoken to him for longer and they, they said he was really cool. I've reached out to him on uh on Instagram I think to see if he'd uh be willing cuz he does a podcast himself. He does a podcast called The Well, so if anybody wants to check that out, I I would recommend it. It's a good show. He actually goes into he brings people onto his show that are in the entertainment business mm-hmm. and they kind of delve deep into the process of of what they do. So it's kind of a it's an interesting show. I definitely recommend it. It's called The Well. You can find it on all the various uh media outlets on which you can find us. So it's out yeah. there. Um, now, uh, Anson Mount, he played Black Bolt in Marvel's The Inhumans, right? 
yes, which is something I have not yet yeah, decided I if I want to watch. watch. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I am I, caught up to date, believe it or not, on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I did not until very recently know was even still going. Yep. I thought it was something that was done and over with, and I thought I was just watching some old episodes, and then I like got to the end of what's on Netflix, and then I was like, wait, that's wait, I looked it up, and I'm like, oh, wait, there's new episodes. And I went on to mm-hmm. Hulu, and I'm like, holy, they're still making this show. What? This is the last season, yeah. They're, yeah, I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm currently, I think I'm two or three episodes behind current right now. So no spoilers, but yeah, I was like, oh, my gosh, they, they kept making this. This is awesome because I actually really like that show. Um, I hear Clark Gregg can be a complete douchebag in real life, um, but again, that's hearsay. I've never met him personally, so I don't know. But I love him as Coulson. Yeah. So um, as far as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. goes, and this most recent season, he's not even... Well, as far in the episodes I've seen thus far, he's not even really Coulson. He's this other guy. Whatever he, whatever he is, I don't know. Because I haven't gotten that far yet. Like I said, I'm a few episodes behind. But... Yeah, I, I I like him in that show, and you know the rumors of him being a dick I can't substantiate. So if anybody out there has had any personal experiences with with uh, Clark Gregg that they want to share with us, I would love to hear it. Otherwise, I will continue to go ahead and enjoy the show as I have. Yeah, I, uh, I've given Agents of Shield quite a bit of time over the years. Um, I tried to start watching it this season. But I I just couldn't do it. It just wasn't there for me. They the way they wrapped up season six was nice and clean, and uh, the way that they've kind of tried to you know because every year they kind of try to shake it and tumble it and mix it up a little. And uh, but for season seven, I just yeah I, I couldn't get into it. Well, that was that was one of those shows that I was watching at work because I had seen the first like three seasons. At, you know, while watching on TV. Mm-hmm. And then I'd kind of lost track of it over the course of time. And it's kind of interesting going back and rewatching it now and seeing mm-hmm. how they, because they don't really, we, we had stopped watching it at one point because we hadn't seen specifically because we hadn't seen age of Ultron yet, because we were like, we were like three weeks behind when age of Ultron came out. we're like, if we watch, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's going to give away... It's going to have spoilers from Age of Ultron, and we're not going to... Yeah. You know, so we we stopped watching because of that. Like, I love that they tie everything in, and, like, everything is happening in the same universe. But if you don't keep up, you're But screwed. at the same time, yeah, it, it screws us up. And they lost viewership on the TV show because we were afraid they were going to give away secret... You know, give away major plot points from Ultron... So we stopped watching it, and then I kind of forgot that it existed for a while because we watched Agent Carter for the short time it was on, and then it vanished, and then it was like, okay, and then they came out with Inhumans, and I was like, all right, I'm going to wait and see if it lasts more than a season or two before I really start watching it, and it didn't, so I never really started watching it. I started trying to watch Cloak and Dagger, and it didn't it didn't hold my attention. I mean, yeah, it, it seemed I couldn't, I couldn't do that. It seemed okay-ish, but it didn't grab my attention past three episodes, and that's really all I can give to a show, unless I'm really desperate for something to watch. 
if you don't grab my attention, if you don't really have my my attention and like have a hold of me by three episodes, I'm probably gonna skip over to something else. And Cloak and Dagger didn't do it for me. Yeah, bringing this full circle back to you know comic book discussions. I think one of the finest interpretations of uh, comics. And especially, you know, hearkening back to the long form storytelling we were talking about earlier, um, Daredevil season one on Netflix. Oh my god! Hands down, I am so, so, so mad that Netflix and Disney didn't work out some kind of different arrangement to keep those shows on Netflix because they were doing such yeah. a great job. The first season of Daredevil was fucking amazing it was yes. just so damn good yes. and then they followed that up with i think jessica jones season one was the was the next thing wasn't it um or did they have um yeah wasn't that luke, the next wasn't jessica jones luke second cage was either either way both next. jessica jones season one and luke cage season one were yeah. awesome luke cage season yeah. one and i will admit luke cage season one the first half was fantastic and the second half was kind of like, what? <laughs> yeah. But the yeah. first half with Cottonmouth, oh, that shit was great. I oh, love that. Dude. The only, honestly, the only, the, the only full season of any of those shows that I can say that I didn't really enjoy at least most of the season was Iron Fist season one. The first season of Iron Fist was not great, and that's being generous. Um. However, they came back in season two and fucking nailed it. And they yeah. left it open for such a great opportunity for season three that we're not going to get. I'm so fucking mad. Right. Oh, man. And then they tease us. I'm I'm about halfway through the final season of Jessica Jones on Netflix. And they, they teased us with a mention of Danny Rand and the Rand Corporation in in Jessica Jones. I'm like, oh, why would you even say that? You knew you were done, you bastards. See, so, I, I was... It, what's the other streaming platform that Disney has interest in? Is it Hulu? Yeah, Hulu has the potential to... Cause, well, because ultimately what Disney wants to do is have their own streaming platform. That's what they're trying right. to push. They're going to have their own Disney right. streaming, whatever. They're going to release Disney Plus, yeah. Yeah, and that's going to have... Hopefully, it'll have. I mean, if it's going to be worth the money, it's going to have all the Disney movies available, all the Disney shows yeah. like from Disney Channel and Disney XD and all that right, kind of stuff right, is going right. to be available. But they have said that they're not interested in doing the more adult oriented stuff like right. the Netflix series. Right, right. So right. there is the possibility that they will sell those rights to, to Hulu because they still have. I guess Hulu has an option on some of those rights. I, I, I don't know exactly how yeah. it works, but there is some talk about the possibility of those shows ending up on Hulu. <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't think I, I don't if, think if I don't get more happen, but... Charlie Cox Daredevil, I think <sighs> I'm gonna I'm I'm not gonna be it happy. Was so fantastic. All three seasons of that show were were amazing. Um just not yeah. just not just him as Daredevil, but the the whole ensemble. I, oh I yeah. The, um, Vincent D'Onofrio uh, as Kingpin. Yes. Was brilliant. Just abs like he was perfect. Oh, he was the Kingpin. 
There, there yeah. was no doubt about it. Yeah, it was just absolutely beautiful. It was it, it just yeah. Seen in, in season one where he's in the back of the where he's in the back of the armed van and the escort, and he's telling the parable of the uh, uh, the, the Good Samaritan, right? And how he you know where he, where he makes reference to he he learned that he is the ill intent, and uh, that was that was just that was chilling literally chilling. Yeah. And, uh, it's one of those shows that really invested a lot of time into making you want to feel sympathy for the villain of mm-hmm. the show. And when you do that, you get the best villains. Yeah. Uh, just when, when you can empathize with them and, but you, you stop just short and say, all right, dude, that's your path. I'm looking forward to watching yeah. Daredevil oh, take you down. Yeah, they they did it so perfectly because like you get up to that point where you're like, okay, yes, Wilson Fisk is bad. He's bad. Yes, he's bad. But well, but he really loves Vanessa. But he's okay. You know. You know what? Maybe Daredevil should let him. Oh my God! He just crushed that guy's head in a door. Yes. Holy crap! Like like seriously, like that's at the moment you're like, oh oh okay, maybe he's a oh I just. I was feeling bad for this guy for just a moment. Now, now I really want, now I really want well, Daredevil to come kick his butt. Um, yeah, it's, I, I think Daredevil was the best of the Netflix series. However, I will kind of caveat that with season one of Jessica Jones was amazing. Just in and of itself. Just that whole storyline with her and David Tennant playing the Purple yes. Man was just yes. amazing. And I just, oh, man. Like that whole you thing. See, like, I, never, I never experienced the whole Jessica Jones phenomenon outside of what Netflix has given me. Yeah, me neither. I never read any Jessica Jones comics until after I saw the comics. I went back and read the alias uh, – the the alias investigations um, trade paperback by by Bendis after I saw the right. comics and it, it's really good I recommend it but I hadn't read it before the before the show came out um, I had Jessica Jones I had not known as a character before the show came out like everybody else like I I'd, I'd known Iron Fist as a character it wasn't one that I was particularly interested in I I'd heard of Luke Cage and I'd read a couple of his books. Um, Daredevil, obviously, um, not only have I read some of his books, but we we saw that god-awful Ben Affleck flick, which (laughs) I will say this. As terrible as that flick was, Colin Farrell as Bullseye, you cannot tell me he did not fucking nail that character. Anybody who's ever read any Daredevil or Deadpool books with Bullseye in it, yes, Colin Farrell fucking killed that character like oh my god he nailed it so perfectly i was like i would i would be like they did that that's the other thing that drives me nuts is that they oh they brought bullseye back but not really because we're not getting another season but i would have been perfectly happy with them bringing like if they had just dug colin colin farrell out of whatever hole he's been in and, and right. uh brought him back as bullseye i would have been perfectly happy with that because that was the only good thing about the that affleck abomination daredevil we got 
See, I, I'm on kind of on the opposite side of the fence. I didn't really like Colin Farrell's take on Bullseye. Oh, I, I thought it was. I so loved. Perfect. I loved the Netflix Bullseye. No, no, he was good too. I'm not saying that he was bad. He was a great. I loved the buildup yeah. to him being Bullseye. That yeah. was, you know, from him being Dex to yes. becoming Bullseye. That was fantastic. I'm not taking yes. anything away from that. And that actor did a fantastic job yes. of portraying like the, you know, the, the transformation from being right. essentially a normal dude to being this thing. Uh, it was no, he did a fantastic job and I'm not yes. taking anything away from him. But as far as I, I just I just think that as an established character, Colin Farrell's bullseye was spot on to the comics. I can, I can see that. If you, especially if you look at the, specifically the Deadpool comics, which featured Bullseye. Okay. He seemed, there, there's a particular scene in one of the Deadpool comics that, uh, that Bullseye features in. That just when I go back and I think about that scene in the comic, I can imagine Colin Farrell's Bullseye in that perfectly. There's a scene where he's like fighting Daredevil in a street and he's standing there on the street and he grabs the hubcap off of a taxi cab and he chucks it and and Deadpool's standing in the middle of the street and he watches the hubcap like careen off of a building behind him and he goes, you missed. And Daredevil and uh, Bullseye just stands there's like, did I? And the thing, the, the, <laughs> the, the hubcap bounces off like five other things and then slams so hard into the side of a car next to Deadpool that just ex- slams into the gas tank and just blows it up. And it's just that moment in that comic. I'm like, I could see that happening with Colin. Fer- like, I could see Colin Farrell's bullseye in that position, like doing that. Sure. Um, whereas in the, in the TV show, Colin Farrell's bullseye would not fit in because he's, he's too comical. The, the TV shows are much more serious, much more dramatic. And the actor they got to play Dex was, was definitely a fantastic fit. I think he did a great job. I'm not, no, ta- I don't want to take anything it. away from, from him. I'm just like, as far as that movie goes, that daredevil movie, we supposedly got the only good takeaway from that was Colin Farrell's bullseye. As far as I'm concerned, because right. I don't think Elektra was bullshit. Daredevil was bullshit. The plot was bullshit. <laughs> the <laughs> but, only but good thing get, we got. The we only good thing good we got Colin was Colin Farrell. Farrell. Out of it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that uh, we we may have taken this hijack of the socially awkward studios feed as far as we can take it for tonight. We might want to go ahead and uh, to wrap this up. You had any uh, projects, anything like that you want to uh, to plug? Any uh, online sites you want people to visit to find you or anything like that? No, I've, you know, maybe after uh, we revisit uh, our next project, I'll have something for you. But for right now, I'm just, you know, the normal guy living a normal <laughs> life. So nothing to plug. Just just guy here. Yeah. All right, just, all right. Zen, well, just a Zen dude. Well, hopefully we'll have something new for you guys uh, coming up soon. We're we're still fleshing it out. We kind of, I think we we kind of have a basis for an idea 
if that makes any sense whatsoever. We're still hashing out uh, titles is a big thing. We've got to we've got to figure out a good title, and not only a good title, but a good title that nobody else has used before. That's the yeah. big thing because, oh man, I can't think of how many times I've thought I had a great title for a podcast and then Googled it and found five other shows that already had that title. I'm like, son <laughs> of a bitch. These motherfuckers think I'm a, they're as clever as me just because they thought of it three years ago. Fuck them. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, you can, of course, follow us online. The uh, podcast is available at the Sasquatch Net. The entire 4Ed Radio Network is available on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram. You can follow 4Ed Radio Network. Um, all the websites, of course. Check out Revenge Lover or Raven at uh, at Revenge Lover or RevengeLover.com. And hey, uh, if you're not, you know, opposed to it because of striking workers or anything like that, and you still shop at Amazon for whatever reason, hey, we're okay with that. If you are, yeah, it's your choice. But if you do, go visit our site at FourEdRadio.com and click the our Amazon banner. That way, at least we get a little taste of it while you're, uh, you know, doing whatever you're doing over there. <laughs> so, I I don't know the whole story. I don't want to get. I don't want to. I don't want to pick a side on that yet because I've talked to people who've worked for Amazon who say it's great, and then I've talked to other people who work for Amazon who say it's horrible. So I'm like, <laughs> I I don't even know, man. But I know if you go to foredradio.com and click on our Amazon banner and then shop like you normally do, we get a little kickback from that. So. Hey, you know, I'm not saying shop any more than you normally would, but, you know, shop the normal amount. It's fine. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, that's okay to say. I, don't I buy things from Amazon. I, I, buy, I buy a lot of things from Amazon. I, 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 have, I, have a, not crossed, I have not crossed a picket line this week. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't buy anything specifically for Prime Day. But I did order my like regular. I I have a subscribe and save thing set up sure. on Amazon. So I've got like like six or seven things that come every month, or I I think I have like five things that come every month, and like one thing that comes every two months, and one thing that comes every three months, like automatically because it's stuff we use, like my laundry detergent and my deodorant and like stuff like, <laughs> and it's cheaper to get it there than it is to go to the store and buy it. So I'm like. Of course, I'm going to try to save some money, and I don't have to worry about, oh, am I going to run out of deodorant? No, because it's going to be sent to me next week. So, you know, <laughs> Amazon, if you're listening, whoever you're not paying right, pay them right. There we go. I've done my part, right? Yep. <laughs> so if you don't mind it. geriatric ramblings of Generation X, you can find me on Instagram at that Adams guy, and I don't do Twitter anymore, and Facebook is Facebook is for friends and family, so um, you can find me at, on Instagram at that Adams guy. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Untapped at Eric J Dewey. Um, those are my social media points of access. Mm -hmm. um, they pretty much have the same posts. Yeah, for the most part, to be honest, um, everything I post to Instagram, I usually post to Twitter, and everything I post to uh, untapped i post to twitter so really if you're just going to follow one just follow the twitter i guess because that's yeah. where it's all going to end up um anyway thank you for whoever's out there listening to us hanging out with us tonight 
Thank you for listening. If you're listening after the fact for our hijack of the Socially Awkward Studios podcast, I hope you enjoy the rest of the shows here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network. Don't forget to check out everybody at 4-EyedRadio.com. We've got a ton of great contact content available for you. Uh, anything from Star Trek, like we've been talking about it, Starfleet Escape Podcast, Power Rangers at uh, Power at Ranger Command Power Hour. We've got a show dedicated to the Spider-Man cartoon series. I mean, how specific do you need to get when you have a show dedicated to the Spider-Man cartoon series? You can check that out at Walloping Web Snappers. And we have that here on the 4 Eye Radio Network. Um, we've got everything. Literally everything. Just check us out. 4 Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Facebook. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that does it for this evening. I'm going to play our outro track, and you guys all have a fantastic night. Have a good night, everyone. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Don't mind me. I'm just grab my stuff to leave. Excuse me, please. Fuck this shit, I'm out. No, no. Fuck this shit, I'm out. All right, then. I don't, I don't know, know what the fuck, fuck just happened, but I don't care. I'm gonna get the fuck up out of here. I'm out.